Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Pumps it, looking, steps back, in the end zone, touchdown Alabama! Jameer Gibbs, what a play by Bryce Young! 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. He lets it rip, and Mingo's behind the defense. Goodbye, Jonathan Mingo. Touchdown, Rebels. 71 yards. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Third and goal. Looking to tie the game. Oh, they get Have you subscribed to our YouTube channel? Search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Alex, clean pocket to throw down the sideline. He drops it in for Davis down the sideline. And there's nobody home. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Smokey is off today. As you can see, he's not there. No Smokey right there. But Craig and I are here and uh, lots to talk about. Um... We've got some, uh, I mean, there's just some interesting things coming out of Scottsdale and, and like just things we can kind of kick around today. Again, nothing uh, concrete after those meetings, but you can kind of start to see, um, you know, where the, you know, possible futures are for everything now. Like it's it's kind of whittling down the possibilities, I, I do believe, for the Pac-12 and, and what's going on and, and, and where they could wind up and, and all of that. But, um you know that we'll talk about that a lot today. We've got Dennis Dodd to talk about it. Uh, he sat down with Smokey earlier today. Uh, then um, Ross Dellinger, SportsIllustrated.com, will join us uh, to give us his perspective on it. Plus, at three forty-five, Grayson Grunhafer uh, of Sikkim three sixty-five dot com uh, kind of dives into some recruiting stuff. Baylor's made some quarterback offers, and um, just kind of want to get his opinion on on some other things going on around. Craig, how you doing today? 
Uh, doing well, Paul. Yeah. Um, doing pretty good. And uh, our co-host, uh, John Cena, uh, hope he's doing okay <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh, you can't see him, obviously, but uh, he's here with us and taking Smokey's place today. I don't know how much he's going to be talking, though. But, yeah, uh, yeah uh, good to be here. And uh, I think you're kind of downplaying uh, a little bit. And I know we have to because we don't want to get like this huge hype train going yeah. on. But uh, I, I would just say that based on just stuff that's starting to float out that – I would not be one of those super smug people that is saying that there is absolutely no chance of anything happening whatsoever. I wouldn't feel great if I was the person who was really pounding home that position right now. And I wouldn't say that to say that there's absolutely something's going to go crazy and all hell's breaking loose. And I just don't think that there's anybody that can say with 100% certainty that anything's going to happen yep. with 100% certainty. And I know that that's kind of been like we've had that reminder and everybody's reminded themselves of that at times. But, you know, I've, I've been more one of the more um, pessimistic, I guess you could say, on this. Uh, and I'm not going full bore like let's ride on into, uh, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. But... I'm a little less pessimistic, I guess you could say, on the possibilities of things happening after, you know, what's seemingly going on um, the last 24 hours or so. You saw those dueling reports, uh, and you know, we're going to hear from Dennis Dodd, like you said, and Ross Dellinger, who both had those reports. Uh, Nicole Auerbach was somebody else that did as well, and there's a lot of he said, he said, she said, she said, and a lot of that going on, you sort through it, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be... Uh, confident in the position that Dennis Dodd's a moron and doesn't know what he's talking about. I'll say that. No, I mean, that's not true at all. And look, he, there's no, like, there's no benefit to him for, uh, for kiting for the big 12, you know, like, Oh, Hey, like it's, and there's no benefit for Ross or Nicole for the pac 12. What I, what I will say is I do think we're at the point and that's why I didn't want to like, oversell it or be like uh, you know there yeah. are there are some shows you're going to watch on youtube in particular that'd be like we've got big amazing news i don't think it's that yet i think we've got indications that we are now to a point where there were depending on whatever side you're on in this it was still further off in in possibility right but as we go on and there's no tv deal and people start to get antsy and you can't let the thing that the pac-12 is dealing with is that you can be united, but not every like everybody's going to look out for themselves, right? Sure, yeah. So, the Big Twelve did that. I mean, if you think about when Oklahoma and Texas left, yeah. uh, I think that you didn't hear about it very much because everybody was covert in what they were doing, but everybody was searching around for a life raft, yeah. and then they realized, like, oh crap, there's maybe like one life raft for anybody, and that's not even a good one. It's like it's already a shark's already bitten into it. It's not even floating well, and so. How about we all stick together? And and that's kind of what it was. And, yeah, um, I, I think there's a lot of other, uh, you know, expansion talk out there that's that's good and, uh, and fun and, and all of that. I mean, there can be some parts that get a little wonky and crazy, and you're just like, I don't know about that. Like, it just seems like that's a little funky. But, I, I you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I know we certainly don't speak out of, like, try to create stuff out of thin air or anything like that. I, I still believe that the Pac-12 will stay together uh, when all is said and done. But I guess that, you know, as time goes on, uh, even my position on that is just starting to weaken a little bit, if that makes sense. Because now it's just, uh, yeah, it's getting to a point where, um, you know, there's all this back and forth and, you know, eventually something's got to give. So we'll see. But, yeah, I, I, I'm just not uh, – my, my percentages are going down as far as my belief that I've carried throughout most of this thing. But I'm still – 
uh, a believer that it will all, you know, end the way that we expect it to. But um, I don't know, man. There's that window that's cracked open, and I, I don't think that that's a fake thing at all that's being talked about in any way, shape, or form. No, and the thing is you've got 10 schools who have to look out for themselves, and it's not like the, at the Pac-12 offices there's like a wall with a meter where George Klyovkov can look and see, like, how confident am I at? Like, how how in is Arizona right now? What's Utah feeling this morning? Like, how do they, like, what happened in the meetings that they had? You know, when they talk amongst themselves, where do the ADs and presidents start to veer as they start to really look and break down the information that's privy really only to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, you, things can change in, in so much of a hurry sure. because you don't know, you know, who's in whose ear and what what the mood is right now. Now, the best thing for the Pac-12 as it stands is to stick together at this exact moment, but I think we're at the point now where it's not going to take a big gust of wind necessarily to knock some people off track. It might not take that much anymore. I, I think that you're, you're starting to see like this is dragged on enough to where you have to look enough into the, you know, um, every possible future in the multiverse that can happen and eliminate ones that are ridiculous. And we're now down to about, to me, a couple of possibilities that, that you have to kind of decide and knowing also when you make that decision that nothing is permanent, right? That, that three years into the deal that you make, you could be right back here again, which is to me would be another concern. Because if I'm going to make a deal and then have to do this again in three years, then I'm going to be like, why am I making this deal if I can make another one right now? Yeah, I think that's the the strength that the Big 12 has is after what they went through and like we just got done saying about the life rafts and they all were swimming around and they realized like, oh, our only chance is to all like lock arms and float together, right? Like that's that's what they all realized and I think they – they know that now, and now you you brought in Brett Yormark, and you've rallied around him, and you're open to all these new ideas, and you're getting some good publicity, um, and you know some of it, depending on the direction it's coming from, is maybe shots across the bow at the way you're doing it. But regardless, you're, I mean, you're getting publicity, and and Brett Yormark strikes me as the type of guy that's not looking for any type, but certainly is not going to shy away from from most of it, right? So they're certainly being talked about a lot more than they were before, and. I know a lot of people call BS on this or that as far as this whole expansion thing. It's not all just it's not just all speculation, man. It's there's not this isn't just all bone no meat. I'm not saying there's a ribeye on the table, uh, but there's not just a, a, a you know an empty bone sitting there uh, at the moment. So there is stuff that you can actually chew on that's legitimate, and um, you know I think that at this point, yeah, it would be a concern to me that not only does there seem to be like this. I don't know, brother, like, I don't want to oversell, like, the Big 12 and the cohesion and all that, but it's probably as close as it's ever been, right? I mean, yeah. it has to be. So, I don't know if brotherhood's too strong a word, well, but it everything's almost, working out for them yeah. for the first time and maybe forever. Right, and they all seem to be okay and happy, and they, they like the trajectory that they're on, so that there's this cohesion that's there that really wasn't there before, and there's a sense of, like, we're going to be okay. Like, there's definitely some more mountains to climb, but we're going to be okay, at least for the foreseeable future. And I don't think anybody can really bank on, besides the Big Ten or the SEC, what, like, 10 years from now is going to look like. But they know that for the next, what, five years or so, they're going to be fine. And I think my my concern, if I was a Pac-12 a school or whatever, would be like, okay, if we get this deal, then we get this deal. But it's like, how... What what is that like? That's that's again. That's why we keep coming back to like you got to see the deal. Like it's not just it's just one thing to say. Well, they'll get it. They'll get okay. They get it. But like, what does it say? Like, 
you know, we've, we pointed out the money piece of it so often, and, like, it would really have to be a down, uh, you know, uh, it really have to see the money drop way down for it to be significant enough, you would think, to move on. But there are other pieces to it, you know, and I think one of those pieces is probably not talked about often enough is the security. Like, I know that five years isn't a ton, but it's sure as heck better than the unknown of whatever it is right now. So if you're talking about, you know, hey, we're going to sign a five-year deal, but nobody's going to be under grant of rights because not everybody's on board with that. Well, don't you think that's a little bit problematic? Mm -hmm. Now, we don't know if that would be the case. But again, is everybody's going to jump on board blindly? No. What do they need? They need to see the deal. Where is it? We don't know. It's still out there. Well, it doesn't end till next year. Okay, fine. They still have time. But you also have to plan ahead, and you have to think about your future. And so I, I do think that's where a lot of PAC schools are. It's like we believe in what we're going to get, and it's all well and good, but there are questions about what that's going to look like and the strength of it all. Because what if somebody's like, I don't want to sign a grant of rights? Well, then the whole thing's a house of cards to begin with. And that's that's what I think the concern would start to be for me if I was like a, you know, an Oregon State fan or a, a Cal fan or, or whoever that's wanting it all to stick together would just be like the longer that you do go on – regardless of what the media is saying or whatever, like you still have to have proof in the pudding. And there's been, sure, a lot of talk, but there hasn't been a lot of substance um, seemingly. So, yeah, that's, that's you know, it's an interesting place where we're at right now. And I do agree that we're we're at, a, at an interesting kind of uh, phase here. And I think uh, others who have their sources or whatever have, have alluded probably to that. But I feel really good about where we're getting, you know, talks from and so, sort of the stuff that we've heard. And I know that there's a lot of stuff going on in Scottsdale that Ross will be able to fill us in on and, and Dennis to an extent as well. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it's uh, interesting times, that's for sure. Look, and, and to clarify what Dennis said and what he meant, and you'll hear him say this to Smokey here in, in about 10 minutes or so, uh, one – he did not say that ESPN was completely out. He said that in the meeting, the ESPN, um, you know, programmer, the the administrator, whoever you want to call him, whatever he was, executive, said, source. you know, yeah, you know, according to his source, said that the Big Twelve is one of the three leagues we're going to be working with, and as that stands right now, today. Cinco de Mayo, 2023. Hey, Cinco de Mayo. We didn't even start off with that. Come on now. Let's go. Cinco de Mayo, 2023. Uh, they, that's true, right? They're not working with the Pac-12 yeah, right now going forward. Now, could that change? Yes. Yes. Um, a lot of things can change in 24 hours or long. I mean, like, it could change. And so when Dennis Dodd put that out and then you saw the conflicting tweets from Nicole Auerbach and Ross Dellinger, what – a Pac-12 person probably said, it's like, no, no, no. The Pac-12, we're still talking to them, and we talked to them today. That that can also be true. But as it stands, if the ESPN executive in that meeting wasn't lying, and he wasn't, right. he wasn't also saying, this is definitely going to be the case, but they know right now, and they're only planning right now, because they can only plan right now for what they have, not what they might have, is the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC. And yeah. they also have to... Perf- they are also preparing for a long-term future for the first time on their network without the Big Ten. So they're not going to have them. So they do probably have to double down on some of the things that they have. Uh, And um, 
it would be nice to see the ACC get the same kind of ACC network, get the same kind of buzz that the SEC does, but the team's all got to play better too. But uh, (laughs) I mean, that's not just all on, on ESPN for promoting it. Like you gotta, you know, I can promote, like, it'd be like promoting a big movie and be like, you gotta go see this. You gotta go see this. You're like, yeah, it's not good. There's green lantern, you know, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. So I think that there are, there are things though. I, I think the wins are, Far more unpredictable than maybe they have been for a while, or at least the fact that you could, they could push certain people to a spot, and then because all it's really going to take is one. If one school gets mad enough to be like, "Look, we can't do this anymore," and you have enough of the power brokers at that school that say, "Go ahead and what you think is best, President and AD," then the other nine being together doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to go out and predict like that there's somebody that's going to do that Uh, I don't feel confident in that in any way um you know that's that's more or less speculation um but I mean you're right like yeah all it would take is one crack in the foundation to kind of spread uh perhaps that's that's how it could work or you know you have a couple cracks and then you're really in some some you know expensive uh, territory there or some some territory that's going to damage you pretty good um and i i don't think that there's necessarily cracks yet would that be fair to say no but i think that there are all the <laughs> elements in play yeah what there are weather there conditions a big crack here pretty <laughs> yeah. soon if like they don't start to see the ball rolling a bit more and get anything more than just assurances that it's all going to be okay in the end yeah i think that you know ultimately uh, we're talking big business and big futures and things like that and security and money and, and all the things that are important to, to the, the people we're speaking of and these athletic departments and, and to these universities. Don't let it don't get it fooled. Like, yes, there are parts of, of this that, you know, there are schools that uh, love their academics and they love their fit and all these other things that you've seen or heard or whatever. But don't get it twisted. It doesn't all go back to that for everybody. Don't get it twisted. It does not take over that uh that decision making for for everybody there there is athletic concerns that come into play without question and um for some it's probably different than others but yeah I think like you said with the wins I think the wins have started to pick up let's just say that I think that's kind of the feeling coming out of these meetings with both sides uh seemingly you know dropping quotes yesterday of course we don't know exactly from where who but there's a big 12 side clearly and there was a pac 12 side clearly or, or sources on either side what have you um that that spoke uh you know the latest to to the reporters a couple who we're going to talk to today and uh you know i think that they both were right in so many ways um i think it was it was wordplay that you could kind of it's one of those things where you know i've, I've said many times in this whole saga of you hear what you want to hear it's Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, it's Schrodinger's it's cat. Schrodinger's exactly. Cat. So, so, like, like I said yesterday, you know, if you're a Big Twelve fan, when you heard that Big Twelve side of the story, you're like, "Yep, they're screwed." And then if you were a Pac-12 fan, you're like, "See, Dot's full of it. He doesn't know what he's talking about." And I explained to the one guy, I was like, "Well, you're a Pac-12 fan. You want to believe that Dot's full of it, but guess what? He's not full of it. Like, yeah. he's not just throwing out lies." So, yeah, it's Schrodinger's cat, and um. And, and that's where we remain, uh, where people are probably going to believe what they want to believe. But I don't know. I feel like I've, I've, we, we've all uh, on, on this show. I feel like been pretty neutral, considering that yeah, we are in Big Twelve country. But none of us have ever once been rooting for the demise of the Pac twelve. I know that others have, and and that's their that's their right. We certainly haven't gone that direction. Um, but that doesn't preclude any of us from just calling it what it is. And I think based on just reading tea leaves and 
uh, smelling the smoke and and whatnot. Um, yeah, there's there's um, there's, uh, there's a lot going on, and uh, you know, depends on on how things unfold here in the next days and and weeks. I know that's not breaking any news, but I, but I do think there's kind of there's a there's there's a finish line coming here somewhere sooner rather than later. I, I know that's very vague in general, but I don't know how else to really put it. I, well, look, there, there's some smoke. Let's say that. Here's the thing. One of the things that we haven't even talked about is maybe all this tension makes the Pac-12 finally sit down and agree to something that's been proposed to them. Because Perhaps, you're like, yeah. Because we can't like, like we can't do this anymore. Can't, can't do this anymore. Like, I'm starting to finally understand it. Like when the Big Twelve presidents or when the Big Twelve officials, uh, all whoever was in on the decision, decided like, you know what, we're not even going to go in the market and explore. We're just going like, to sign our deal. And we're going to be happy on ESPN and Fox. And yeah, we could probably make some more money, but we're not even worried about it. We just want to be on ESPN and Fox. We want to be secure. Turned out to be a brilliant decision. Now, could everybody have made like maybe a couple million more per team? Uh, perhaps, but I think in hindsight that that's that's the right decision that was made, and and I do think that um, you know just having that security is is a is a, a real thing. Like that's a, it's a warm feeling to have. Whereas the longer you go without it, I do think that that starts to create some. Uh, I don't I don't know. I do think that that starts to apply a, a certain type of pressure that that uh, can become concerning the longer that it uh, that it balloons and grows. Yeah, I, I think. Um... You know, when you look at all the possibilities that that could happen that could have happened to the Big Twelve, the the best thing that Brett Yarmark has done is when he and whoever his economic advisory council was also looked out into the winds and said, "Look, we can make this deal now, or we can run the risk of because we're in a very turbulent economic period in America right yeah. now. So if we can get it before it gets like super crazy and like you know." Uh, these are things that none of us know all that much about. I mean, some people might here in the chat room, but us in this room, you know, I don't know what the Fed's going to do, but I do know that most every time the Fed comes out and says something, it's not great news, you know, (laughs) you know, so, uh, and then that has the, the trickle down effect of like, okay, well, when big multi-billion dollar companies have to make decisions based on all these things that are going on all around them, you know, it's probably best to just be secure to where you can be Mm -hmm. like, look, you know, we're doing this. They got a raise, too. Like, so they got a raise, maybe not the raise that they could have had. But then again, you know, there's going to be a lot more changes in the wind, not only economically, because everything is cyclical, right? And then um, when you talk about the 12-team playoff coming up, nobody really knows how that's going to work out exactly. We can all have ideas. But when the 12-team playoff comes up for two years, I do think you're going to see a lot of scrambling or not scrambling, but like resetting of what your goals are as yeah. institutions or here's how we get there. And especially if, and I hope this happened just for the glory of it, that, you know, the 10th seed wins a couple games. You know, be like, nice. I don't yeah, know how you know, much of an odds there are, no, but, but yeah, it'd be nice. But that would, if that happens, and again, I do think we are, you're seeing, you know, there's still some separation at the top where, the, the best five or six programs are going to kind of hoard everybody. Right. But with the transfer portal and playing time and the immediacy of everything right now, that is starting to balance out. We saw it, you know, completely on display in basketball this year. And the reason we, we see saw it... saw it with TCU getting to the national yeah, championship. Yeah, TCU national championship. So in this year, you see TCU national championship and you see what happened in the Final Four, and it can happen. It'll happen faster in basketball because you don't, you know... 
you can't turn over. You can turn over a roster really quickly in basketball. Football, maybe well, in basketball, you don't have like ten yeah. positions that you have an advantage on. Yeah. You know, at the field on any given time, like uh, with the defensive line in some conferences or the offensive line versus you know the the offerings in other conferences. So you automatically have this massive advantage over a school. Whereas, like you might have a better center, but hey, you can play around that a little bit or yeah. at least attempt to. But if you got like seven future NFLers on one side, well, that's a little you know that's a little harder than just getting around the big man. Yeah. And trying to find your way, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be uh, you know I think uh, a, a situation where this continues to to play out for a little while, but it does feel like yeah, there's starting to be some some uh, some winding down of it. Yeah, uh, for everybody's sake. I, I guess the point I, I kind of lost my train of thought. Something about when the Big Twelve. Uh, uh, made their deal. But, yeah, I do think the Pac-12 guys have to be, like, suddenly getting a little bit like, what the heck's going on? And, and you know, where's the deal? And they would like that security as well. And that the longer it does go on, that it does lead to maybe a fracturing of the belief or just a little bit of uneasiness. And, and as you said, all it takes is one or two. And then all of a sudden the whole thing's a little bit shaky. Um, we're not obviously reporting that there's anything, like, official or anything like that, to be very clear. But uh, I, I see there's other speculation uh, out there. Uh, and I know that you know, just uh, based on the tea leaves that we've read over the last 24 hours, that there's, yeah, there's there's definitely not a, a position that I would feel comfortable in saying 100% there's absolutely nothing that's going to change and there's this is never going to happen. You idiots, quit with your stupid tweets and whatever stupid names uh, you want to call somebody. Call them names all you want to, but I'd be, you know, treading lightly at the moment if I were people that are want to do that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. All right. When we come back, hear it from the man himself, Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, breaks down what he heard in Scottsdale, why he reported what he reported, and what the future uh, might be bringing. With David Smoke, that comes up next. This is 365 Sports. It's the season to shop our large selection at Allen Samuels in Waco and find the vehicle that's right for you. Get amazing deals on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler minivans, or a sporty Dodge. Shop AllenSamuelsDCJ.com or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco. It's time to announce the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team honoring elite student-athletes in Greater Central Texas. Hi, this is David Smoke. We annually recognize student-athletes who thrive and succeed in both academic and athletic competition. And here are the male All-Stars, including Preston Batts from Wortham, Teague's Anthony DiMaselli, Mason Kirk from China Spring, Itasca's Cade Lightsey, Whitney's Canyon Massengill, Stefan Nickerson of La Vega, Xavier Payne from Ellison, Reeve Tarter from Midway, Troy Nathan Westbrook and Riesel's Grady Wilson. The 2022-23 Academic All-Star Team is brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, Westdale Asset Management, Southwest Sports Medicine, Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, HEB, The McLean Group, Universal Windows Direct, the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Center, Alliance Bank, Ray Broker AC, Hal Whitaker and Louis Englander Scholarship Fund, IdealMRI.com, Bubba's 33, The Baylor Club, and our 501c3, The Waco Foundation. 
honor the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team at our annual banquet Wednesday, May 17th inside the Presidential Suite at McLean Stadium with Baylor assistant basketball coach Bill Peterson, our guest speaker. We're very proud to recognize the elite student-athletes in Greater Central Texas. It's the 13th annual Academic All-Stars right here on 365 Sports. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC an equal housing lender. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. CBS Sports, Dennis Dodd with us. 365 Sports, I'm David Smoke. Uh, Dennis was in Scottsdale, the Big 12, the Pac-12, college athletic directors and much more meeting, and, of course, television networks and executives as well. Dennis, you had a report uh, a couple of days ago about there was a meeting and an ESPN representative mentioned that the Big 12 would be a part of just three conferences or the ESPN would be a part of partnerships with three conferences. I've confirmed that same thing myself, not that you needed me to. Uh, were you surprised kind of like by the reaction of everybody going, oh, my God, that's not the case no i mean look i i got tough skin i stand by my reporting life's too short I, you know i don't need to get into that i will say that like what you've probably figured out when that happened jaws dropped in that meeting um it was kind of a coded thing in that they didn't the espn executive didn't say didn't say the pac-12 was out but it was a process of elimination and in doing the story, I, I talked to ESPN people, and so it's vetted that way. Um, so it is kind of surprising. That, that being said, everything's qualified. It's been 48 hours since that report. And who knows? They could be, they could be back in. Did you sense any, uh, because there was a lot of different groups there, did you sense any uh, of how the Pac-12 
uh, ADs or reps compared to the Big 12 ADs and reps? Was was there any conversation between the two? Was it in any way awkward or any even tense? Uh, none at all. Um, the meetings are at a resort, uh, the highest Ganey Ranch, and everybody's kind of just glad to be there in good weather and hanging out by the pool and getting work done at the same time with their wives playing golf. No, there, there really wasn't any of that at all. Uh, in fact, all these guys and, and women are very collegial. Um, so, no, I, uh, I saw them talking to each other. But there was, there was nothing do you um, do you get the impression that that someone or a program from the big from the Pac-12 is already in discussions with the Big 12 in any way? Oh, they've, they've been discuss- I mean, I reported last July, last July, that the four corners had had discussions, and there have been face-to-face discussions uh, within that group uh, regarding what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. So, no, that continues to go on. Look, they, those Pac-12 schools would not be doing due diligence if they didn't. I mean, it happened in the Big 12 in, uh, in 2010 when Nebraska and Colorado left. I'm trying to remember what order they left it, but everybody scrambled for the phones. In, uh, in July of 21, when Texas and Oklahoma spoke, you know this, it looked about two or three weeks there, it looked like the Big 12 was done. Yep. Uh, and to Bob Bolsey's credit, he went out and did this, you know, deal with the four extra schools really, really quick and got everybody rallied back together. But I think part of the part of the lessons from realignment in 2010 is every man for himself and when it comes to desperation time. So, yeah, I would expect that. So Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, a couple of days ago with the report about ESPN, it appears out uh, of anything with the Pac-12. Now, you also mentioned Tier 1. That Does that still leave, you think, the door open for late night on Saturday with, if in fact, let's just say it's Apple Plus, and then they then go to ESPN and say, hey, we're going to give up this time period. How much will you pay? Yeah. The issue, and the answer is yes, the issue is I don't know what tier one looks like. I did a story earlier this year uh, tracking the rate, their highest rate of games the past 12 for the last two seasons, taking USC and UCLA out. And four of the top five involve Oregon and or Washington. That makes total sense. But that's five games. The rest of it looks like. You know, it's really up to the uh, the right You know, we'd like these games, and we'll pay next for those. So, yeah, I think you know, as it was communicated to me, there there could still be room for ESPN for a smaller package if it comes to that. Uh, you know, we still don't know if, if what was communicated to the brethren at the Pac-12 this week was they are confident they have a major carrier for their tier one rights. So everybody in the industry kind of goes, well, who? You know, they, they can't figure it out. So it's, it's NBC slash USA Network, one of those. They're, they've got to keep their powder dry for uh, negotiations for WWE, UFC, merger. That's a big, big property um, that is coming on their radar that they want. And how much money do they have left after that? I don't know the answer to that. 
Yeah, I had somebody yesterday bring up USA Network, and I think they have the WWE. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned that, but also NASCAR, and 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 they're they're yeah. they're really early in their season, basically, since they don't start until early February with the Daytona 500. Yeah, that and those, I mean, frankly, are bigger than what the Pac-12 is right now, and that's part of the issue right now is that for the first time that I can remember in this kind of realignment merry-go-round in 2010, we all went, started really covering it, uh, you know, with the business, Pac-12, Big 12, what have you. Um, there's a power five conference that they get on television, but there's not a right holder that needs them on television. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whoever gets them doesn't need the Pac-12. Um, because we know that now, because if they did, they'd have a deal. I mean, that's just, that's two plus two. Dennis. So, what does that mean? Yeah. Go ahead. No, no you, you, uh, you obviously have reported quite a bit on this, and I, it's, it's, and we have, and others have. Have you ever had a Pac-12 AD reach out to you and try to get, like, pick your brain or, or, or say, hey, wait a minute, this, this doesn't, this is not right? Uh, I had one uh, apologize to me this week, like, for ripping me on Twitter. And, you know, that's okay. I, again, I, I have thick skin. I don't, you know, I, I can sense their frustration, the, the lead frustration with trying to get something done. And it has become kind of a, you know, it, 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 it has sucked all the oxygen out of the room for a conference that, by the way, really, really good football this year. I had 16 ranked in my post-spring top 25. They've got the reigning Heisman winner. Even though it's USC, Caleb Williams, and they're going to leave, still, they're still in the league. Uh, Michael Penick Jr. of Washington is mm-hmm. right there. Um, and, you know, the, for a league that's been out of the playoffs since, what, 2015, they got a heck of a chance to be back in. But that's not the first thing you think of. When, when you talk about the Pac-12, and that's unfortunate. Do you think there might be something sooner rather than later? Not on the TV deal with the Pac-12, because that does appear to be still maybe down the road. Do you see any way, shape, or form something that might pop uh, involving somebody from the Pac-12 and the Big 12? And I'm not... I don't want to use the word imminent, but do you see that possibly happening somewhat soon? I I don't think I do because there's two ways this could go. Well, there's one way this could go. First, the, the Pac-12 gets a deal. Okay, and I do think I do think they'll get one. Um, you know, I you know breaking up is a strong word, especially mm-hmm. since the Big Ten does appears not to have any interest in working in Washington. I think they'll get some sort of deal. Then, if it's good enough, um, and the teams get nervous, uh, do they get within, you know, how close do they get the Pac-12 with that 31.7 million number that the Big 12 has? Um, then do they do anything? And then, because the Pac-12 needs a deal first, then do they expand? Uh, or do they have to expand? That's another level to this, and that's a whole that's a whole process. So I I don't see anything imminent. In other words, you have to get one before you expand, I believe. Um, 
you saw the remark from the San Diego State AD Sunday, I think, in The Athletic, where it was a story by Seth Davis about San Diego State's uh, success in basketball. Midway through the story, the AD said, well, it's going to be one or the other, Pac-12 or Big 12. Everybody's got yep. noticed that. And it was accurate. I checked it. It wasn't, you know, I was checking to see if it had been mentioned offhand. He didn't mean to say it. Nope, absolutely meant to say it. Um, so, you know, you've got that. So I, I think there's some steps here. And I don't, you know, would, would I be surprised if uh, we get a news dump at 5 o'clock today? No, because that's college athletics. <laughs> have, yeah, but I think it's going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I, I have never seen. Yeah, you mentioned the Texas OU, and, and you and I, you know, we we were on a couple of different times, and, and we were in very heavily involved, fortunately, because of uh, connections that of what was going to happen after Bowlesby and the conference was basically all but yeah. knocked out. But they've been through this like they have a cat of nine lives when it comes to this. Have you ever seen anything as, for example, lingering as this one is with the Pac-12 in the time you've covered college no. athletics? No, and they're making the case that, first of all, I should say, officially the conference is sticking to its guns and saying late spring, early summer for a deal. Uh, now, they've you know, they've kicked this can down the road enough times, but we'll see. Um, have I ever seen this? No, because the Pac-12 keeps saying, well, the, the Big Ten waited until less than a year before their deal, and, you know, they, well, it's, it's not even apples to apples. It's the Big Ten. They had just... The news had just broken that they were adding USC and UCLA. The deal was way down the road. They had to integrate those two schools into the deal real quick before announcing it. But this is what we just said. There doesn't appear to be a deal imminent. Um, the conference is at a, uh, if not in a position with leverage. Uh, there's a lot of mystery involved in it. And Yes, so now they're July 1st, 2024, their deal expires. So we're getting close to being inside a year on that. And there's a lot that has to be done when, you know, if and when they do a deal, um, schedules, everything else. So, no, I haven't seen anything like this in the Power Five. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, and I, I mentioned this again. Dennis doesn't need me to do this, but I myself also was told last night that, that there was a meeting with the ESPN representative during the meeting with the ADs and whoever else was there about the fact that they were going to be a part of three conference partnerships and obviously the ACC, SEC locked up, and the Big 12 is too. So whatever that might mean, uh, who knows? And like you said, we could wake up on Monday or Tuesday and go, Wow, uh, something else yeah. has happened because it is so fluid. And, Dennis, thanks for your time. Appreciate you very much. Be safe on the road, and, and we'll talk again soon. I talk to you. Thanks. Thank you. Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports on 365 Sports. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagney is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the Sikkim sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel & Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel & Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel & Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at PioneersBoys.com. want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Grayson Grunhaver of Sikkim365.com. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal steel and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan, family owned and operated since 1943. Grace Gurn, hey, for Sikkim365.com. Also, this segment on Baylor Athletics brought to you by Richard Carr Motors. Grayson, uh, Baylor, uh, before we get into some of the offers, look, the transfer portal is closed for students, athletes to jump into it, but it's not closed for people to uh, commit. Uh, do you sense any movement on the horizon for Baylor in picking up players that they may need? Right. So, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, Paul, just the amount of, that Baylor may have 
um, to utilize with the transfer portal. And after the two additions so far this spring with Byron Bonds and Trevin Maya, um, you're kind of looking at a situation where I believe they have one spot left. And the position that I've been kind of mentioning a ton on this show as well as on our premium side, it just seems like cornerback is the position that they're really, really focused on. They actually have a visitor uh, in town this weekend. Actually, I believe he should be starting his visit like right now or within the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, but Utah State cornerback is Johnny Carter. He was a guy who got a Baylor offer very early in the process. He took a visit to Indiana this week, uh, and then he's at Baylor this weekend. And I believe he should be making his decision after this trip, uh, likely between those two uh, schools. So that'll be something to definitely keep an eye on. I think if he did choose Baylor, I think that would fill up Baylor's roster spots, and I think they would be done with the transfer portal. But you are exactly right. Uh, guys can't enter the portal now. Uh, as long as they're not grad transfers, the rules for grad transfers are a little bit different, but you can enter the portal currently if you're a player, but you can absolutely pick up commitments and guys don't necessarily need to make decisions really for the next month. You know, you would think that most guys would want to decide before June uh, because in June, obviously you're going to go enroll uh, at whatever school you choose uh, for that first summer one session. So that's kind of the timeline I'd say in the next month. Uh, but for Baylor, I think things could probably be decided in the next week. So, Grayson, uh, what is the connection, if any, to Utah State? What's the appeal for you know not only Byron Vaughns but perhaps uh, another player as well? I know Dave Aranda coached there long ago, so it can't be you know like that connection, like he just left there or anything. But is is there anything in particular? Or is that just a program that ha- happens to just be a coincidence? It's actually all about getting back to Texas, Craig. I mean, both the guys, so Byron Vaughn played Texas, uh, played in Texas, um, in high school I and then you. obviously went to Texas. And then Johnny Carter also played, uh, football in high school in Texas as well. So really it's just, uh, you know, pretty much about coming back home somewhere closer to home where their families can see them. The travel's not as extensive. And so, yeah, I think it's more so about that than necessarily the Utah State connection. Grayson, uh, now some quarterback offers going out uh, as they focus, what, 2024, 2025 right now? Right. So, I mean, that's kind of been the – it's so interesting, right, because they've been putting out multiple 2025 quarterback offers, but then you look at the 2024 class and they haven't offered anyone since missing on Hoptaney and Deuce Adams uh, to TCU and Louisville, respectively. And now they're really just taking their time with the 2024 class to try to figure out who they want to offer. They have a few guys on their radar, a few guys who visited campus and guys who Sean Bell has visited over the last few weeks uh, as the coaches have been on the road. So they're still trying to make a decision there, it seems like, for the 2024 class. But, yeah, in 2025, they've put out a couple offers, uh, offered one that I, I really, really like out of Johnson a High School down there in San Antonio, Ty Hawkins. Uh, he was the MVP of his district, had just a massive – a sophomore season, over 3,000 yards of total offense, 37 touchdowns. That a program that's really not one that everyone thinks of as being a powerhouse in San Antonio. He was really, really good there. So he's a new offer. Uh, they're still looking at more 2025 quarterbacks as well, as I think they're trying to get out ahead of things in that class, uh, maybe more so than they did in the 2024 class in particular. Uh, but that's mostly because the 2025 class, as far as quarterbacks in the state of Texas, is really, really good and one that I think Baylor will have a lot of success landing one of the top quarterbacks uh, in the state. 
So we had a little bit of a, a discussion about this yesterday. We had to be careful to let people know that we were just speculating and there wasn't anything to report, and there's still nothing to report on Baylor's starting quarterback position or decision or whatever. But now we're, what, about two weeks removed from the spring game, and the semester will be winding down here pretty soon. I doubt that they would, you know, pop open a graphic in like mid June because I don't just, you know, it seems like it wouldn't be the ideal time if you're looking for attention. But how do you read the tea leaves when it comes to the fact that they have not named a starting quarterback? And what does that say, if anything, to you? It's a really weird situation because I think when Dave Rand made those comments after the spring game, everyone just kind of anticipated a decision coming really quickly honestly within the next week and it never came and now it's kind of dragging out a little bit and you know to me that leads me to believe that they're pushing the decision back to the fall which I think is the smart decision I don't really see a need to uh, rush naming a quarterback you might as well keep the competition open you know both guys I think uh, have should have an opportunity in the fall to win that job Uh, but on the flip side you know, if you if they saw something, which it seems like Dave Randa felt like he saw something in one of these two quarterbacks to make a decision, then I guess you go ahead and do it. Um, but yeah, you're right. The further this drags out, the less likely it is, especially once you reach the end of the semester. It'd be hard for me to believe that Baylor would go ahead and just throw up a graphic and name a starting quarterback. So I do think as of right now, my expectation is this is pushed to the fall. Um, but honestly, you know, back when he said that we're going to potentially name a quarterback, I really felt like they were going to do that. So it's a, it's a very puzzling situation, but, uh, maybe one that we'll get more clarity on, uh, when fall camp rolls around. Yeah. Grayson. Also, we, we talked about like, this is a different situation than a year ago when they, they made the decision with Blake and Gary, because, uh, had they made the decision earlier, um, and just say it was Sawyer hypothetically, then, they only have one scholarship quarterback. If the if this if this if history played out the exact same way, so they weren't in the same position to do the same thing while the portal was still open. For sure, and I think what people kind of forget from that decision was, you know, Gary. I think they felt like the way Gary had been around the program for a while, the way that he handled and conducted himself, um, the fact that he was technically a graduate transfer as well. I think all of that played a huge role in kind of that decision uh, by the staff. And then also, yeah, they had Kyron Drums on the roster as well. So you had another scholarship quarterback there uh, just in case something happened to Blake Shapin. So, yeah, two totally different situations. I don't think this is a situation where they were like, hey, we want to make sure that both these guys are here, so that's why we're not going to make a decision. I really don't think it was that. But I could see how someone could convince themselves that it was. Uh, what else is uh, kind of on the radar for you right now, Grayson? You know, I, I think actually this past week, a big thing that everyone's been trying to figure out is actually the basketball side of things. Uh, because Eve Missy decided to reclassify to the 2023 class. He ended up signing with Baylor. And that was a big story uh, that we, you know, released earlier this week. So that, I mean, that's been a huge one because everyone's trying to figure out, you know, what's this Baylor basketball roster going to look like? Uh, how are they going to, you know, handle things as Adam Flagler and Jalen Bridges test the NBA waters? You know, how does the staff try to figure out ways to add players to the roster that don't necessarily show that they're moving on from those two guys that they really, really want back on the roster for uh, next season? So, yeah, basketball has been a big part of it. Recruiting, obviously, you know, that never stops. But currently right now, it's kind of one of those phases where we're just kind of waiting on the June official visit. So right now, a lot of this is 
the coaches on the road, players trying to figure out uh, their schedules as far as official visits go, um, and then Baylor trying to figure out, you know, who's coming on the official visits, who are the priorities that we need to get on official visits. Uh, those type of things are kind of dominating the headlines right now. It's funny you mentioned that because I was just pouring through, just like Googling Baylor, and I see this very panicky, all caps headlines from, you know, there's a very dramatic. Are, are you uh, from, from another place about like the transfer portal and lack of activity? Are you on like a, a certain high level of anxiety as far as that goes as well? Or are you confident that they're, they're okay and the roster is going to shape up just fine? Craig, are you talking about the basketball, basketball. Or the football side? Because that's basketball okay yeah um because people have been panicking on the uh football side as and well, they've added like 12 guys <laughs> like i mean what? yeah 12 yeah you're right it's crazy it's absolutely crazy 12. but yeah you're right on, <laughs> <laughs> on the uh on the basketball side of things though you know i i don't i don't get why people are panicking right now and this was actually something that i brought up on the website that i think for all college basketball fans and all baylor fans specifically need to remember that Yes, Adam Flagler and Jalen Bridges are testing the NBA waters, but there are also a ton of other guys that are testing the NBA waters as well. So when people say, oh, the transfer portal is watering down, you're missing out on top targets, well, not really, because there's a lot of guys that are testing the NBA waters, and then if they do decide to return to college, they might be transferring from their current school. So I guess my line of thinking is, you know, even if Flagler and Bridges stay in the draft, I do think there's going to be some very, very high-quality guys that Baylor could land, uh, specifically because you're game to sell, like, hey, we just lost Adam Flagler and Jalen Bridges. Both guys played over 30 minutes a game, so why don't you come to Baylor and get to play 30 minutes per game on a top 10, potentially top 10 uh, college basketball team? That's very, very enticing to a lot of guys, and so I really wouldn't panic at all. Baylor just got another big, adding Eve Misty. So they have another seven-footer on the roster, which was something they really needed last year. Um, so now it's really just about rounding things out with a couple more starters, whether it's Flagler and Bridges uh, or two transfer guys uh, that could come in and start right away. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't panic. Uh, if you're a Baylor fan panicking, I, I really wouldn't right now because I think Scott Drew and the staff really have a good handle on the pulse of things right now. Yeah, you got to trust the guy uh, who, who's been pretty darn consistent here here lately maybe they forgot what happened two years ago but uh Grayson also I I would think and this is maybe me being too optimistic but just based on what we know of of the two guys in the portal and their and, and where they are um I would say at worst 50 percent of those guys are you know gone gone and that one of them is probably coming back for what for basketball what for about? Jalen Bridges and Adam Flagler I would say that okay. at least one of them is going to be back I would say that I, I think Bridges is more is probably the one that I would put the higher percentage on mm-hmm. coming back just because I do think if he did come back, there's there's a case to be made that he could end up being a first-round pick, which I don't think he would be at this point. Uh, Flagler is a little bit different because I don't think his draft stock's going to change in a year. Um, but then on the flip side, it's like, do you just want to go to the NBA, You know, potentially just be in the G League for a while? Uh, or do you want to come back and have a chance to not in your career with a round of 32 exit and in your career with a possible championship with a team that's really, really good? Um, that's just going to be an interesting question and an interesting conundrum for him because he has been in college for a long time. But I think you're right. I think there's a great chance that at least one of them comes back. But I still think I'd probably put the percentage right around 50% that both come back as 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Grace. I think that you know, pessimistically, I don't, I don't see. I mean, this is my most pessimistic. I just don't see them both going at, at this point in their careers now. And I completely agree with what you said. Flagler, older guy, uh, you know, why, why not just try out the pros right now if that's what you, if that's what you are, where you are personally in your in your growth. All right, Grayson, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Grayson Grudenhay for Sikkim365.com. Next, Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated joins us to talk about the goings-on in Scottsdale, uh, his perspective on all of it. We had Dennis Dodd earlier. Uh, we'll have Ross Dellinger now, so you'll get both sides of that news right here on 365 Sports. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lake Shore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive through window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Army, warm. Welcome home. Dozens of 2023 Buicks are on the lot in Price Move at Richard Car Buick, a prestigious luxury SUV without the luxury price. Experience the quiet escape and premium drive of a Buick SUV on a test drive today at Richard Car. Right now, qualified buyers get a 2023 Buick Encore GX at 3.9% for 60 months, plus save 1,000 dealer discount or save 3,500 on a 2023 Buick Enclave Avenir in stock. See dealer for details. Count on us. 
is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, joins us now. And Ross has been uh, in Scottsdale. Uh, never a bad place to be, but uh, working hard and uh, breaking news as he always does. Ross, um, I, I would think that um, when you go there and you're kind of in the midst of it, do you get more clarity or less clarity on what's going on with the Pac-12? <laughs> well, there's an argument to be made that you get less clarity. Um, it, there are a lot of things swirling there. Um, you know, y- you've got a, you got a lot of sides to this. Obviously you've got the network side, multiple networks involved. You've got obviously the PAC 12 and you've got, uh, the conference trying to poach, uh, PAC 12 members, the big 12. So you've got all these different, um, kind of, uh, uh, parties to this to this situation, uh, and it can get pretty cloudy. And all those parties were there, and, and so um, so you get a you can sometimes get a better idea by talking to all of them. But sometimes you can also uh, confuse yourself by by talking to them. So it, it's a it's a murky situation, and uh, honestly, it's um, it's a situation that I, I've tried my best to stay away from uh, because there's so many parties involved there's so many agendas involved and there's so much unknown by everyone except really the commission of the pac-12 maybe uh, and uh, his executive president and and maybe a network executive or two so you're talking about five to seven people so Ross, I mean, you're right. It's such a it's such a weird and, and a fluid thing, and it just depends on I think a lot of times what people want to believe. So like you know whether it's this report or that report, like this is what fits their narrative and that's what they want to believe. But just in general, for the crowd that says there is nothing to this, this is all a bunch of baloney and fake headlines and all that. Um, do you do you feel like this is blown out of proportion? Or do you feel like this is something that while it's nothing imminent, there is you know there is cause for concern, if you will, for certain parties. Well, certainly the Pac-12 thought it would be done quicker than that, sooner than this. They thought this process probably would go a little quicker. I mean, they were gearing up at one point to announce a deal the week of the football championship. And that's the second, first week of December. Uh, you're talking about five, six months ago. Um, and then there was, you know, reports and, and I think some presidents actually came out publicly and said it that uh, they would announce a deal at the end of March. Um, maybe at their conference basketball tournament mid-March. So those things just never happen. And now I think it's, a, you know, the deadline kind of shifts now again. And I think it's probably by the end of June, uh, maybe my media days, which is in mid to late July. Uh, so this is definitely concerning at how delayed and how that timeline continues to push and push. And I think that timeline continues to push for a variety of reasons. One, the Big 12 got in the market first, and, and they got their deal done. It's a credit to Brett Yormark, who has been incredibly uh, progressive uh, in aggressive, in creative, uh, 
he has. He's he's come in and he's kind of um, others in the college sports world would call him a disruptor. He comes in, he shakes up things, brings kind of new ideas. Um, Deion Sanders, I think, in the coaching level would kind of be classified as that as well. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it certainly the Pac-12 certainly has some concerns. It's talking to a Pac-12 athletic director who preached uh, cohesion and all 10 of us are together. We support each other. And then he finished the conversation by saying, but I'm getting a little tired of waiting. Yeah. That's <laughs> always that. That's that the pesky butt. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the razor's edge they're walking on now because Ross, it really only takes one school to say, I'm sick of this. And then chaos ensues. Yeah. And that's usually how, realignment stuff works right it's usually one or two schools create a domino in this situation that's never been been truer um you know you've got a a league that's fairly unstable a league that uh it's two you know or two of its top three kind of most valuable valuable properties will be gone after next year uh usc and ucla in its biggest market la will be gone uh next year so it's about, I think, estimates are around 30 to 40% of the overall value of the conference. Some would say even more than that. Um, so your two big dogs are gone, and that leaves you at a really susceptible position where if you have one or two more gone, you might see, yeah, a possibility of a complete collapse. Uh, and that's where they got to hold everybody together, right? Uh, it's very important. Ross, just what sense do you get? And I'm not trying to like. I know that there's other things that you wrote about that are very interesting that I'd like to, to touch on as well because there's a very busy week outside of just the, that one report or that report on uh, the Pac-12 and the Big 12. But what kind of sense do you get just sort of looking as a guy who's very thorough around the entire landscape? Yes, this Pac-12 thing is going to eventually end, but. Does that mean a period of peace and calm, or do you feel like everybody's as agitated and nervous as ever, save for you know those who who have a, an ironclad future, like a, a Big Ten or an ES, uh, an SEC? Well, I, you know, I don't know that anything um, will be uh, stable these days, uh, no matter what. But certainly after the Pac-12 deal gets, I think we, I think you have two lanes here um so to speak um you have one lane is is uh the pac-12 gets a deal done that is suitable for its members and it remains at 10 probably adds one or two more to any other state maybe smu um and so that's one lane and every everybody you know the mountain west i don't know that the mountain west is going to scramble to really replace one team um I don't know that the American will scramble. You know, in, in this lane, there's not going to be a lot of dominoes. You went to Conference USA, add a team or two. Um, it may be the American, but it, there won't be a lot of dominoes in that lane. It'll be more stable. Lane two is, you know, somewhat chaotic uh, because lane two would be the Pac-12 deal isn't uh, suitable for its members. And two to four of them go to the Big 12. And then two to four of them Go to the Big Ten, um, probably at a lesser uh, share because they will be somewhat in desperation mode. And then you have basically four, you know, around four or five schools left that 
go their own way and, and, and maybe independence for some, maybe it's down in the Mountain West for others. Um, and then once that all would happen, and this is all obviously speculative, but if the Big Ten's going to grow, does the SEC grow? And, and does anybody out east challenge the grant of rights in the ACC, which is you know, you know, kind of a cruddy situation? Um, so all of that I just described is certainly speculative, but all of it is, I think, a possibility. And if it's not a possibility this year, uh, you know, given the Pac-12 deal, if it if it's not as suitable and it starts breaking apart, then I'm going to tell you this thing that I just laid out, uh, it's going to happen. It's just, is it going to happen the next, you know, in this year, or is it going to happen in six to eight years, or is it going to happen in 14 to 15 years? Cause it's going to happen. Uh, I think Jack Swarbrook at Notre Dame AD uh, has said multiple times, the current situation in college sports where you have two leagues, the SEC and the Big Ten, so far money-wise above the rest, it can't continue down the path. Um, so you're going to see more and more consolidation. Ross, um, you know, some of the other things that were going on is, you know, you, you talked about the Big 12 and how they've uh... – you know, want to modernize the broadcast of the football games, in-game interviews and all that. How do you think the coaches will take that? Mm, well, they're a tough uh, lot to convince, but if anybody's going to convince them um, or just tell them what they're doing, <laughs> it is Brett Yormark. Uh, um, and, and I think that that was uh, discussed at length in the coaches and ADs joint meeting conference meetings on Tuesday and Wednesday in, in Phoenix, Scottsdale. And so, uh, you know, I think they're going to move forward with, with those plans. They have to talk to the network. There are a lot of I's that need dotted and T's crossed, but it's a cool idea. And it, it is one, I should say, that you know, isn't necessarily revolutionary. Uh, uh, I think that you're going to see college football playoff games have a lot of this stuff. You're going to see uh, maybe some other conferences jump aboard as well. But it was discussed at length in the Big 12, and it's something, uh, you know, in, in uh, your Mark and I talked about this actually in Scottsdale. It's something that probably should have happened with college football years ago. And sometimes it takes somebody from the outside to come in and do it. What are your thoughts on uh, the layout of the college football playoff that we got a glimpse of this past week? Well, it's exciting. Um, you know, I, I uh, for the people who, don't agree on the playoff and are against the expanded playoff. Uh, every other NCAA sport uh, that, the, that the, the association sponsors, softball, baseball, hockey, et cetera, uh, usually has in its postseason, it usually includes about 10 to up to 20% of its overall teams are included in the postseason. And for years and years, football has been at 1%. And then with the expanded 14 playoff, it's at 3%. And that number just needs to rise. And so now with the 12-team playoff, it's at that 9 to 10% range. And, and that's certainly you know, more, more suitable and makes a lot more sense and will give a lot more programs and conferences, leagues, uh, a better shot. And I should say, this plays into realignment as well. Um, you know, the top, the, high, the, the six highest-ranked conference champions get an automatic entry into the playoff. And four, those top four conference champions, get buys. Um, so 
again, if you're what we were just talking about, if you're in the Pac-12 and you're Washington or Oregon um, with a Pac-12 that's uh, without USC and UCLA, why would you want to go to the Big Ten? Well, money. But the second thing is uh, you got to think about championships. And I think, gosh, there's there's so much of an opportunity to do that in the Pac-12 than the Big Ten. And maybe the same for some of those schools like Colorado and Arizona. They have a better shot in the Pac-12, too, really, than they might in the Big 12. So that's something that everybody has to think about as well. Ross, do you? I, I, I'm of the belief that after the first two years of the college football playoff, we'll see, I don't want to say a major shakeup, but you'll see a, a big shift in the way that teams are approaching how they get there once they figure out kind of what the – the shortest cut is, don't don't you think? You mean uh, like as far as scheduling, like scheduling the way that yeah. the way they approach, kind of the you know the way they expectations expectations, the way they maybe start funneling nil money more into things, uh, all of that. Yeah, you know we're going to learn a lot from those first two years. It, it's going to show us uh, a lot, and schools are are going to learn, uh, and what we're going to see probably. Uh, beyond the first two years in the future is a revenue distribution model um, that is going to be, uh, it's going to, to be more about uh, merit. You know, you know, the, the CFP distributes to each conference a certain amount of money. It's kind of an equal distribution. You get a little more here and there. If you have more teams make the playoff, we're going to see the equal distribution go a little more unequal uh, and we'll probably see more uh, more distribution based on how far and how many teams a conference has in the playoff. So it's something to keep in mind. That's just more money you can do those things like NIL and all that other stuff with. Uh, and then scheduling is going to be important. You know, you, you saw really four to six years ago, teams start to schedule differently, uh, a little more difficult, right? They're adding more power five non-conference games they're adding more conference games uh so you're seeing you're seeing that already change and you know it'll keep changing in the future it'll keep evolving as uh, as they figure this thing out so ross uh i guess there's the the constant realignment talk there's uh brett yormark and just what all he's up to there's a uh, i mean gosh there's no shortage of things is there anything we didn't touch on that you think is like a major point of uh discussion for college athletics right now or is that pretty much the the gamut besides the you know the overall existential crisis that they've continued to face for the last few years with the, the government and whatnot well i think you know the new nc president charlie baker uh and what he you know what his future plan is for the NCAA and the survival of the association uh, is certainly interesting. And, and he was up here, I live in DC and he was up here last week on the Hill, back on the Hill meeting with lawmakers trying to get a congressional bill passed that uh, will uh, more standardize and regulate and, and maybe enforce NIL. And, and that's certainly a big topic. And if they get that congressional bill, I think it'll probably might even save the NCAA as an association. If they don't, then there's certainly um, there's certainly issues going forward. Yeah, I uh, 
I, I don't hold my breath when it comes to Congress ever, Ross. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no. Uh, Ross Dellinger, SportsIllustrated.com. Ross, thanks so much. I uh, hope you at least, did you get some time to like at least kick back and enjoy Scottsdale a bit, or were you just riding and working the whole time? I got in the I got in my pool, my Airbnb pool, for about twenty minutes. That's about it. <laughs> well, I hope it was twenty glorious minutes, Ross. Thanks for hopping on. As always, <laughs> love to have you. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, Ross Dellinger, SportsIllustrated.com. Yeah, he was. I mean, you get out there. You're Ross. You're Nicole Auerbach. You're Dennis Dodd. Like you think, like this is going to be a fun trip because Scottsdale's great. Yeah, it's great. We we've been out there, Craig. You know, Garrett and uh, and I were just there uh, with Smokey and. Uh, and Jacob and yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. But like you start getting into it and you're like, I have not enjoyed any of this. Oh, no, I think, yeah, the, some work trips, I think, you know, anybody who's got work trips, you know, whether it's radio stuff or, or whatever you may be doing. Yeah. It's, Oh, I'm going to Chicago. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Well, I'm in a convention center for like Dude. 23 of the 24 hours every day, but no, yeah, it's what, what did you see? The Sears tower. It's not in the Sears tower. Anymore. Cancock building. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, yeah, driving to the airport. I saw that. <laughs> bike. That's, that's typically how work trips, uh, would often go, but yeah, if you can get a little extra time, that's uh, that's always good too. The only thing you can probably guarantee you can do is at least get to one like legendary restaurant. Yeah, you'll check have something off. You yeah. check something off. But like, if you were, you know, if you go to New York, like, oh, did you go to the nine eleven memorial? Like, I, I was around it. Yeah, you know, like, saw the top of it from yeah. like fifteen blocks away or something. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You don't get to, but yeah, it was a bummer. It's a, especially since for those for the the thing is for the media, it's just all busy. For the ads and the presidents and everything, they bring their families and like right. they go play golf and that's how, like that's where some of these deals and things get done. It's like we're gonna go play golf and then on the nineteenth yeah. hole they're like, all right, here's what we're gonna do, and then they move on. As where you know the reporters like Ross in the middle of that are you know sitting in their Airbnb pool and then get a text and like, well, that's it. Yeah, or you know they're even when they're you know schmoozing, which I, I don't mean in a, in a bad way, but like like clearly you know the cocktail party or something and there's news going on like you're still the conversations you're having are often work related right they're still circling back to the exact same thing that you're trying to probably relax from so yeah it's never ending and I'd, I'd say for Ross in general work trip or not he seems like he's always breaking some story or on top of some other story if it's not you know the NCAA and Charlie Baker it's realignment if it's not that it's uh you know the SEC schedule and them trying to figure out how they're going to work that thing, as that's been a you know a topic that that's continued on about you know, how many games, how's that going to work, and who plays who, and all those types of uh, answers that they're still in search of. So yeah, it's just never. That's why I asked him, just like you know, what what are we missing potentially? Because there's so much that could fall through the cracks. You're so focused on one or two other things, but yeah, the, the whole you know, NIL passage of a law that could save the NCAA. That's pretty huge. I mean, that's pretty gigantic. That's just sort of like, oh, yeah, there's that too. Uh, so we know Linda Livingstone from Baylor's heavily involved with the whole side of, of you know, that battle. And um, I think to have a little clarity there, you know, that would in no way cap anybody. It, it's not like you're suddenly ripping the money away, but just to – have it to where everybody's playing by the same set of rules is I think what really anybody's all it's all anybody's really asked for quite frankly um and you know I don't know how much would be cleared up by that but it does sound like it would be a massive um you know swing in the right direction potentially or in the in the wrong direction which could lead you to just further proof that this whole thing's going a 
different path than we've ever seen before, and and that's the, the a little bit of the unknown right now because it's on the same path currently. But man, there's all sorts. It's like we talk about with the realignment stuff. Like they, no, they're probably it's probably gonna be around. It's probably gonna be around. It's probably gonna you keep thinking that, but enough things start to pick up around. You're like, oh boy, like yeah. this doesn't go right, and that could be the dissolution of that, and that means that this happens, and that could yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, crazy world in college well, athletics right now. Yeah, and, and college athletics is just trying to figure out their economics. Like, and I know, like, I'm not trying to take the side of like the big bad wolf. It, you know, that's made all the money for all, all these the years. Yeah, but I do think that you know. You can't have you can't have either without both sides, right? Right. You have so, to have each other. Yeah. So you have to have each other. So I'm all for making it work for the that way it works out the best for both sides and, and finding something in the middle. And to me, like, you know, finding some sort of NIL, like here's what it is and here's what you have to do and here's what needs to be disclosed or, or not disclosed or on down the line, these this is allowed, that's not allowed, these are the rules is would be very helpful because yeah. I don't think it's really going to hurt student athletes all that much. It's just going to, again, funnel them into the, the system a little bit better. Um, but the problem is when you're asking for regulation and government, you have several dis- different sides of it, but there's really three sides. There are um, over-regulators, under-regulators, and then people who... Uh, Lawlessness? <laughs> who don't, like, libertarians who, like, why do we have to deal with this? The, there doesn't need to be any government oversight in any of this. Let's just get rid of it. And unfortunately, I enabled three. Did I say regulators, like people who just figure out how to do it right? That's not really a common thing uh, when it comes to especially national government. So when you're asking for somebody like, can you write us reasonable regulations? You know, I would, I would put this out to anybody. If you're in an industry that's regulated by the government, tell me, how often you feel like what they're doing is reasonable on either side of it. It's either completely unreasonably reckless or completely unreasonably, you know, overwrought with things. So it's going to be a longer process than then them just going there and asking. So, you know, um, you know, just, just look at, you know, uh, and just to put it mildly, um, clean water in most States is getting harder and harder to figure out. Uh, and that's way more important than if you can get money um, for an Instagram post. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like those things. It's not the highest of priorities. Exactly. For sure. So, anyway, when we come back, I want your thoughts on what you've heard from Dennis Dodd and uh, from Ross Dellinger on what lies ahead. We'll go into the chat room a little bit on the text line, 254-339-1122. This is 365 Sports. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. It's 
time to announce the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team honoring elite student-athletes in Greater Central Texas. Hi, this is David Smoke. We annually recognize student-athletes who thrive and succeed in both academic and athletic competition. And here are the female All-Stars, Karis Dietrich Axtell, Talia Gibbs from Gleam, Julia Kosda from West, Ellie Mesher from Salado, Hubbard's Jenna Morris, Crawford's McKenna Post, Iridell Sierra Potter, Ivory Scott from Waco High, Grace Stocker of Abbott, and Kelsey Wedegrove from Clifton. The 2022-23 Academic All-Star Team is brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, Westdale Asset Management, Southwest Sports Medicine, Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, HEB, The McLean Group, Universal Windows Direct, the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Center, Alliance Bank. Ray Broker AC, Hal Whitaker and Louis Englander Scholarship Fund, IdealMRI.com, Bubba's 33, The Banner Club, and our 501c3, The Waco Foundation. We'll honor the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team at our annual banquet Wednesday, May 17th inside the Presidential Suite at McLean Stadium with Baylor assistant basketball coach Bill Peterson, our guest speaker. We're very proud to recognize the elite student-athletes in Greater Central Texas. It's the 13th annual Academic All-Stars right here on 365 Sports. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Hi, this is Paul Catalina. I recently got engaged to the love of my life, but the most important thing that I had to do before I popped the question was get that perfect ring. And I know nothing about rings. So I went to the wedding ring store, Boozer's Jewelers on Valley Mills Drive. I knew I needed a custom design, and that's exactly what they do. Nine out of ten of their engagement rings are designed in-house. The entire process took less than a month, and they were great every step of the way. Great options on financing, excellent selection, and talented designers. My fiance and I get nonstop confidence on the ring. I only deserve credit for doing the smartest thing I could, walking into boozers and letting them work their magic. Your one-of-a-kind fiancé deserves a one-of-a-kind ring, and that's what you get at Boozers. Boozers Jewelers, the wedding ring store on Valley Mills Drive. This is 365 Sports. Want more updates during the day? Follow 365 Sports YT on Twitter. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Paul Catalina and Craig Smoke. Everybody in the studio just wildly concerned about Jack McKenzie today. Uh, <laughs> I won't tell anybody why. We just are. Uh, I'm not concerned about you, Jack. <laughs> but uh, anyway, getting back in uh, to... We had Dennis Dodd, we had Ross Dellinger, and I think there's... It, like I asked Ross, do you have more clarity, less clarity? And he's like, yeah, as you wind through it. But as you heard on what they reported and what they heard and what's going on, like we are getting down to those points like we talked about earlier of like there are not too many paths forward, Craig. As where further out, there's more. The, like yeah. the closer you get to the deadlines, like there are only a couple things that are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think those are a couple things that have sort of been harped on this entire time, you know, is 
uh, it's all going to depend, uh, you know, on a couple of different factors. So we, we wait, but, uh, I I'll say what I said at the beginning of the show for those just joining us of, yeah, definitely not predicting anything or, uh, moving off my position that I think that, uh, you know, everything kind of stays as is, but I, I do feel like for the first time after just, um, kind of taking in things this week, uh, I'm not cemented to that position no um, I, i'll say that and i'm not of the and i never really was i was never of the belief like nothing's going on like nothing i absolutely believe things are going on like you know just not 24 7 you know every single day of the week like it, it could be depending on where you look sometimes it's like okay it's three o'clock in the morning is is the is the colorado ad really reaching out to the tech ad and like why do you know that at three o'clock yeah. you know like there's some stuff like that i'm just like i don't know man that's kind of hard to believe but okay but there's there's enough out there that you know um it's at this point yeah it's it's a, it's a situation where um my I guess if I had to, to lay down my odds, I'd start to take a little bit away from the pile of, no, everything's going to just be okay. I'm starting to uh, not to, I don't want to say like hedge my bets or anything like that, but I, I'm, I still believe that everything's going to work out for them in the end. I think though they're cutting it very close and I think they're playing with fire. I'll say that. Yeah. And, and I didn't necessarily think that the fire part of it was really all that concerning, maybe even a week ago, but, and this isn't for clicks reviews or whatever, that kind of crap. Um, don't don't ever even think about that. But I, I do, yeah, I do feel like they they're getting close to burning themselves if they're not careful with how they kind of uh, operate here over you know the, the the immediate future. And I don't think I've really said that before. Um, so is there reason to panic? No, but is there reason for concern? I think so. Um, or we're getting awfully awfully close to it. Would it be fair to say that? There's uh there's you know nothing immediate that's happening. Uh yeah, probably, but would it would it be right to say that absolutely nothing, no chance? No, that's BS. I don't I don't buy that. I don't care who they claim to talk to or whatever. That's that's I don't buy that for one second. Yeah, no, and and there are like old school like benchmark not benchmarks metrics where I don't think you would say normally, well, they're not gonna do this because they you know, this is important or that important. I do think we are at the point where if someone gets pushed just to that right thing, they're going to say, damn the torpedoes. It could and very well happen. Yep. That's, that's what I think. I, and, and whether that is a totally rational decision or not. Right, that's a that's, different question. <laughs> that's, that's the different question because... Because to me, this whole thing, I've been looking at it it's very, I'm very it, rational, right? Yeah. And I've been looking at it in a very rational way. But you don't have to make the decision. But I don't have to make the decision. Yeah. So I'm sitting here, like a month ago, we're talking about this, and there's the, the talk about how it was when the Pac-12, um, you know, side of things started to have their, what, three or four days in the sun, right? You had Arizona's guy and Arizona State's guy or whoever was talking, Utah's guy, Colorado's guy, all coming out at various points. And I forget the the exact order and whether it was 80s presidents. That's all very confusing now at this stage. But, um, you know, a lot of that, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's part of the deal and it's pushback and I understand it and pretty rational about it. But I just really didn't understand of, like, why are they so worried about the media? Like, <laughs> If it's not true, then why are you freaking out? Like, why do you? Why is everybody acting like the house is burning down? If you're telling me that you're looking out the back window and everything's fine, then why are you so worried about people obviously lying or whatever? And I, I just didn't get it. 
But, you know, I understand there's the media game that can be played, but it's just hard for me. It's like, it, I guess somebody getting in your ear and telling you, like, Craig and them or blah, blah, blah. And then you talk to me. I'm like, no, dude, it's so, it's, 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 we're all good. And, and I don't know, but like, there's just enough of a, of a seed, I guess, that it's planted sometimes that can get into people's heads where even the, who would you would think would be the most rational, well thought out, unconcerned people at a, university presidential or athletic director level they aren't quite as smart as we maybe think sometimes or as un- untouchable if that makes sense uh to uh or, or they're not bulletproof to uh rumors and, and things like that um and they can be susceptible to them far more than you maybe realize and that's the that's me not i guess being that's me being too rational thinking like oh I, if it was me if i was the arizona state president i'd be like buzz off what are y'all talking about but you know, I'm not them hearing all these different things from various angles and, you know, enough of that. And I can see where, you know, again, that seed's put in your head. And as much as it looks like the water's calm and whatever, there's that little party going, I don't know, that water, is that a ripple? Like, is that a, is that a wave coming? And you start to maybe, yeah, outthink yourself or, or react maybe differently than, than you would think you would. I don't know. Well, and the other thing is it's 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 really hard to read the room of your of your alumni and student body and all that together, right? When you are the university president and the AD who, when you start hearing from your own fans a lot, what about the Big 12? 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 And then you start to think, is this a good idea? Like, because... <laughs> I guess so, because, yeah. Because everybody, I like every time we talk to the fans. Every time I they, log on to Twitter, it's all, all my they, mentions. They they want to know if we're considering the Big Twelve because they seem to want it. So then you have to go. Do we have to see if this is a good decision because our fan base wants it, and and do that? Those are things that that are just it's hard to even follow, right? So you don't. I don't. You know. I don't know how people are like some. Some university presidents, and I say this being here and having been through quite a bit of them in my time, uh, the only one I considered stable at all, uh, and this is no disrespect to, to, to Kent Starr, but I just kind of always felt like, just based on his career, that he was either going to retire in a couple of years or, or go somewhere else, even when things were good for him, Uh is Linda Livingstone, and even that, like she's on such an ascendancy, I don't know how long Baylor can keep her before somebody bowls her over with a with well, another offer. That know? could very well have to do with whatever happens with the NCAA moving forward. Exactly. I mean, so. like if they die off, um, which you know Ross was just talking about, that could hinge on some decisions made, you know, here in the near future, um, in regards to you know NIL and the government decisions and those types of things. I mean, if they were to cease to become what they are now then, you know, yeah, maybe that's that's not in her cards at that point and she's doesn't have a lot of other things she would pivot to. But, yeah, I think we'd be foolish to not think that, like, if they thrive and they get their NIL decision the way that it satisfies everybody and they continue to be, you know, a foundational piece of just the college athletics landscape, then I could see them with the way that she's been used and put out in front. Uh, yeah, like as a as a higher up there uh, or president one day, 
could certainly see that. Now, there's no, there's no indication of that happening anytime soon. But sure, like, yeah, she could move on. I don't think she's a Baylor lifer. No, uh, or no. many of and, these people in any industries are, are necessarily and, lifers where they are. And the, and the jobs are shorter and shorter. You know, the, the when I was in college, the, the guy who was the president, we were his last, I think, one of his last graduating classes. His name was Sandy Dallenbert. And he'd been in that job for a very long time. But now, I don't think it's, you know, look, E. Gordon Gee's been at Ohio State and West Virginia, like, they, they move around a little bit more. Things are a lot more fluid. So, again, what your decision you make is is probably not the one you're going to have to deal with a decade from now, just based on it. So, those all factor in, in, into all this. But I say that all to say about, you know, stability and presidents and the way they do things is that some presidents care immensely about what their student body and alumni say. And the others can completely shut it out and do what they think they have to do, what is best for the school, and then see through maybe the first wave of we don't like this until they, they kind of understand what's going on. And there's not necessarily a right or wrong way. This, I think it's based on the time that you're doing this and the issue that you're dealing with it with. A very small issue here, and Garrett, I don't know if you remember this because it was, it was many years ago, but mm-hmm. do you remember when the president of Baylor kind of unilaterally decided to get rid of the interlocking BU? Uh, vaguely not yeah. not enough to really no so they had a marketing firm come in this sounds like a Baylor drama yeah definitely <laughs> this like is slight change this is, to the logo this is such a, I mean there were other things I mean that, that lovingly but, but yeah there had there had been I mean there were other things that were probably bigger than this but the straw that broke the camel's right, back seemingly yeah. was this decision was that he brought in a marketing firm to give him an assessment on what they could do to improve Baylor's marketability. Like, how will people know us better than they do now? And this is also at a time of the athletic success was was basically Kim Mulkey. That was it. Like, she had just won. And so he was on the heels of that going, okay, well, how can people find out about us now? Football wasn't good yet. Bryles wasn't here, I don't think, or he was maybe just about to be. So there was none of that, but one of the things they said was, listen, you need to get rid of the interlocking BU on the helmet, and it needs to say Baylor, because people don't know what Ugh, BU means. Terrible yeah. decision. So he, instead of going, I like some of these other ideas, this one I'm going to ditch, he kind of went with it and said, we're going to get rid of the interlocking BU, and it's going to say Baylor, and we're going to have a great new logo, and people were like, the hell you are. And that was the thing that like, then every other like tiny mistake he made was like, Oh, we don't like this either. And we don't like that either because that's all it takes is that kind of decision. And Oh, I mean, Mac yeah. Rhodes, if the moment he does something wrong, they're disbelieved. There's going to be the people lined up that are still pissed about Kim Mulkey or yeah. pissed about whatever other thing they might be pissed about for sure. Yeah. That that can add up over time. I was thinking, I mean, I can actually understand that complaint about the logo. Oh, I think great. that would have been a terrible decision to do yeah. that. But I was thinking more along the lines of like, they were, you know, throwing their arms up over like whether it should be, you know, beveled or not. And I, I feel no, like no, that's no. kind of a slight, no, it was, it was a big, but like, no, but yeah, having Baylor spelled out across the helmet versus the B. Like, yeah. I do think that's actually kind but, of a big deal. I'd be but, upset about But when we talked about it at the time, I said, look, from all of your perspective who who believe he's wrong and he was wrong to do that you you're you're right you're right but i'm telling you from his perspective when he's done and sitting in his office packing up his stuff he's going to think this all happened to me because of a sticker like that's what he's going to think mm-hmm. because that's what it did and it can be that kind of a little thing is that you make the wrong decision and a big one i'm not saying it wasn't but ultimately it came down to stickers that go on helmets, 
that's what undid them. So it is a tightrope to walk when you are the university president and have to make these decisions. And as they get bigger and bigger, like what conference are going to be in, what, what is going to make the thing and maybe the only thing that brings me joy better and you have to make that decision and look across hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people and tell them, this is the thing that you love. The thing that you spend your money on, the thing that you, you know, you wear t-shirts for, the thing that you are most passionate about. I am part of this decision that's going to either improve or ruin the thing that you love. And when people start, the tide starts to turn a different way, you may not be able to be completely practical because... You kind of have to ride with what's going to make your fans happy. So it's a hard gig. It's a hard gig. And I wonder what different fan bases are really on certain spots. And we might not even be to that point yet, but it is going to. That's where the the buzz and the Twitter and all that to me is more important than what some people may report of like, oh, this happened, this school's meeting with that. It's that when your actual fans, the constituency of university starts to turn largely in one way, then you you're kind of in a in a pickle. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, you know, it's a tough job, but they're well compensated for it. Um, so there's at least that part of it. You get paid well to make the tough decisions. At least at, at this level, you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you uh, you have to consider obviously your your fans and and how they feel about things. Whether that's uniform, I mean, you need to listen to them because sometimes, yeah, they're they're going to be right. I don't know how that plays into you know the decisions or the conversations going on behind the scenes right now as far as conference affiliation. Other than I know that you know Utah fans, for example, have been very emphatic. The ones that I've seen, at least, uh, that they have no interest in doing anything other than being in the the Pac-12 unless a Big Ten offer were to come, which that's not seemingly likely at this point um but yeah i mean you have to consider that you have to consider a variety of factors and I'm, i'd imagine that's what they're all doing right now but i think the one thing they'd love to consider the most is a deal in front of them so they could consider that and consider signing that and consider ending all this madness but uh to go back to the very beginning that's the part that we're all still just sort of um sitting here and wondering about uh, them more than anybody but us just as outside observers uh, curious as to how this could spill into other, you know, lanes, uh, potentially the Big 12's lane, potentially, you know, whoever else is. Um, we're all just sitting here as observers. Yeah, th- those those folks in charge are having to make the, the decisions. And so, yeah, I think, I, th- I mean, like, I do, Paul, think there's some pressure from the fans, but I also think there's, there's pressure just from the position yeah. and the history of the university that probably drowns out some of, like, whatever – you know, knee-jerk reaction somebody has and, and, on social media. Yeah, you, you know. can't. You can't always. Sometimes what the people think they want is not what they really want. No, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I do think there's probably some of that going on right now. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there's probably a, a fan of Arizona who's like, "Yeah, screw the pack. Let's get out of here." That's maybe that's not the right thing, or vice versa, or whatever. Uh, there's maybe a Colorado fan that's like, "No, we need to stay here forever." When the better decision might be to to go somewhere else. I don't know. Like, I'm not the one making those decisions. Obviously, again, the, the, this the decisions will be made when. There's a decision to be made. Right now, that's not the case. Um, it's all very much still uh, just wait-and-see mode type of a thing. But to to those curious of, like, why are you talking? It's because there's there's definitely a feel that's building that this isn't, you know, again, something that's imminent. But, I mean, this isn't nothing. This isn't nothing. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think most people have started to realize that. But, you know, for all of the – 
oh, it's just BS and it's throwing crap and there's no chance and you, all these stupid nicknames, you want to dole out to people, like, all right, all right. I mean, you can believe that all you want to, but all right, we'll see how it works out. In honor of Star Wars Day yesterday, and and I hope Jack can uh, help me nerd out on this one, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's nothing that's absolute. There's nothing. No. And, and that's I, all I think we've tried to say the entire time is like not to to um I mean we've let a lot of the voices who are the reporting side of things report things and we pass along things that, that we've heard as well that we know come from from trusted people, but we've not tried to just throw like just complete random like what'll really set the people off today. Like, like let's report that like we've never done any of that, but you know, again have remained pretty level about it all and I just think for the first time I'm like, yeah, you better you better be prepared if you're if you think that there's just like nothing but smooth sailing. Um it does feel like the waters are getting choppier. There's a storm that is potentially on the horizon, it's still a little bit of a ways away, but it's not just gonna clear up without some sort of action. Um yeah. and you know, that's gonna have to, to come at some point. Maybe the storm's a few months away. It'd be a hell of a storm to see it all that far. A hell of a horizon, I mean. But um I'm not good at it. it analogies and things like that but there's there's clouds brewing man and those are legit those aren't fictitious those aren't made up by twitter people or whatever you know nickname you want to give and all that kind of stuff that people are just trying to ruffle feathers no there is there's real storm clouds and the pack can sail around them or sail through them or whatever but you know they're gonna have to band together and i don't know at the moment that that's like just uh, 100% a surefire thing. No, I, I, I don't either. And, I, and I, I will assure you, if you watch this channel at all, listen to us, whatever, follow us on Twitter, we as an organizational policy uh, only break news when we know it's going to happen. Like there is not, we're not ever going to say breaking news on something that maybe is going to happen in the future. No. It is, it is either happened or we know for sure it's about to, uh, because it is way easier to deal with being right than deal with being wrong. And well, it's just the right thing more, to yeah, do. Right I, thing. Like so, I said yeah. earlier, I don't care about clicks and followers yeah, and all that. So, I go two weeks without a single tweet. I don't care about any of that crap. I, I that, yeah. yeah, I don't. I really don't. So that's. I'm not trying to be the next uh, Stephen A. or anything up here. Just having fun talking college football. So it's not. You know, let's. Uh, what's going to get a hundred thousand? Like, no, but yeah. So, anyways. Uh, what what we're interested in is giving you perspective. Yeah, and just yeah. It, it probably need to to take a break here, but yeah, I just say just saying that um there's there's not nothing to this whole thing. It's not just some big grand scheme to uh, you know, ruffle feathers or to um you know, undermine anything. Uh yeah, there's there's legitimacy to uh, a lot of the talk out there um about just, you know, the lack of uh, of a deal and how time going by could create some things that some people thought a month ago were never, ever going to possibly happen. Zero percent chance. I, I just, I'm saying there's not a zero percent chance. There's, there's more than a zero percent chance that the things uh, in play could uh, occur, but not reporting that they're, they're imminent by any means, just that the PAC 12 needs to tread lightly. I think mm. is the best way yeah. to, to put it and be mindful of, of the situation that they're in. Yeah. Uh, by the way, one thing before we, we do go to break Ryan Martin, uh, on the text line, how interesting is it to you that Mark Harlan called Dennis and apologized for calling him out on Twitter? Um, 
I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, I think it's good. I mean, like, it's good. Like, sometimes, again, the emotions get the better of us, right? Sure. And yeah. you do things. Twitter is a world that... Did that happen, though? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he mentioned in the interview that... Oh, uh, oh okay. Yeah. Duh, yeah. yeah. So that he called, you know, he, he called him and said, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for, for calling you out. So I thought that was something on Twitter. I, I must have just, yeah. I must have had my headphones off when he mentioned that. Yeah, so no, cool. Dennis I need to go back and listen to that. So yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting that he said that. And, and look, cause again, social media, Twitter, Facebook in particular are designed to like, they're, they're coded in a way that they want you to, to respond emotionally. Yeah, I mean, there's also I think there's a lot of good people on there. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes no, it's like, too bad of a rap, but you're you're right. But you get, I mean, but even the good, the best people can get yeah, caught up in well, it. Well, you can get. Well, I mean, when you're him and you're in this position where yeah. I can only imagine how messy his mentions are. Yeah, you know, when he pops open Twitter, and like if I were an AD, I'd be like Matt Rhodes. I'd have like my ghost account that I would never plug. I would just have it so I could look, and that would be it. But you would never know it was me. You'd never see me post or anything. But I understand others do it to promote, and that's smart too. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong either way. And but I don't I think could, he, uh, like, if Mac Rhodes looks at it, it's only to monitor what's going on in his school. Yeah, to see it's what's not, like, see what's the latest on. Doesn't matter his what universe. we say or whatever, right. you know. But I, I think also if, you know, you're Mark Harlan and you're probably constantly being hit over the head with these things and all you're trying to do is do the best for your university and for your conference and, and hold the ship. And meanwhile, um, you know, people are seemingly, from probably your point of view, trying to sabotage it, even what would you consider your colleagues, right? So I think there's a little bit of that distrust that's just natural and a little bit of anxiety and probably a little bit of anger too that it's just a fr- or frustration at the very least. And that's just human to be in his position where there's all this going on and to just for a moment be like, you're tired of the BS, right? And you see that wrong tweet at the wrong time and you're just like, all right, that's it. I got to say something. And, you know, I don't blame anybody for that. I don't think he was like, calling Dennis a hacker or anything. So it wasn't like super personal and an ugly thing to say, but he did what he felt like was right at the time. And I think that's very interesting that he called and, you know, uh, and I guess, uh, cooled things, uh, off with Dennis. And I think that's very good. And I think, you know, we saw a lot of people, um, depending on where you look of not Dennis is a hacker, you know, things like that. I don't think that, I would say that about really any of these reporters and especially not about him. I, I yeah. think that that's just your own biases playing in. Uh, if you think that he's just throwing stuff out there for the sake of it without any sort of a real backing to it, I think that's a misstep on, on the part of people who choose to do that. Just like I won't sit there and look at a Canzano or a, a, really a Wilner article and go like, Oh, that dude's just making stuff up. His source might be making stuff up or his mm-hmm. source might be feeding him something, but I don't think that he as a journalist is sitting there and just throwing out whatever he's fed. But, you know, I, I'm sure others disagree with that. But I, that's, that is an interesting note. I didn't have my headphones on to hear that, but that's cool to know that. Yep. When we come back, uh, some more news and notes around college football. Peyton Thorne has a new place to play, and uh, it's not shocking where he's going. He's going to Auburn. Uh, we'll talk about Spoiler. that. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, also, DraftKings Sportsbook released their uh, odds over unders on uh, on SEC wins. I want to get Craig's eyes on that and see what he thinks about that. Uh, that and a, a tra- basketball transfer out of the Big Twelve. This is three sixty five Sports.
It's the season at Allen Samuels in Waco to find the vehicle that's right for you. Get amazing deals on new Ram trucks, Jeep SUVs, Chrysler sedans, and minivans, or a sporty Dodge. At Allen Samuels, we're committed to taking care of our customers, and that means having as much new inventory on hand for you to choose from. Of course, if we don't have exactly what you want in stock, we can help you build the custom car, truck, SUV, or van of your dreams. And order it today. Shop AllenSamuelsDCJ.com or come in to see us today at Allen Samuels in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. PC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at AutomaticChefCanteen.com Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton.
This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Paul Cavalier, Craig Smoke, Darren Ross, Jack McKenzie, Emery Winter. Remember, sports tonight, tonight on the CW. We'll have that. Um, we'll start. We'll go in reverse order here, Garrett. We're going to start with uh, Ish Masood, uh, former Kansas State uh, basketball player, going to Georgetown. Uh, nice get for Georgetown. This is his his second transfer. He started at Wake Forest. Uh, didn't think the the more minutes were going to come his way. He was he's a nice player off the bench for K State, but now he's on his way, uh, and uh, hopefully for his sake, more minutes at, at Georgetown. Uh, as their new coaching staff uh, makes shape of that roster. Uh, also, uh, in uh, Transfer Portal news. I saw Jerome Tang congratulating yeah. him. That's, that's cool to see. You always love to see that. Um, you know, just no matter if you go your separate ways, still all love and respect. And uh, so, yeah, I saw that from Tang earlier, just wishing him well. And, yeah, good luck to, to Masood. And that's, uh, that's going to be a Georgetown program that's one to watch next year with yeah. the, the changes there. And good luck at school there. It's a fantastic yeah. uh, Fantastic university. Get uh, ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, Peyton Thorne, Michigan State quarterback, who very uh, surprisingly, apparently, to the coaching staff, um, jumped into the portal this week, um, is uh, on his way, or last week, on his way to Auburn. This is not a shock. Of the quarterbacks in the portal, you knew that Auburn, Florida, you know, they were going to try to get at, at some of the best ones. He's probably... I mean, he's more accomplished than Tyler Buckner stats-wise. Um, Potential-wise, I don't know, because he is, you're talking about a redshirt senior here. But Peyton Thorne brings some experience to Auburn. He and Robbie Ashford will essentially battle out for the starting job in the fall, uh, and we'll see there. But uh, I would think that he's probably got a leg up because the fact that they even went for him tells me that how Gus – or not Gus uh, – Hugh Freeze feels about his quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean uh... – Clearly, he, there was not something completely settled there. Um, you know, heading out of spring ball, and it was pretty, pretty out there that uh, they were one of those teams that's still looking for, at the very minimum, some depth in that quarterback room. But also, yeah, somebody come up and grab the starting job if you want to. Uh, so yeah, this is a, an interesting move. Uh, obviously, they're. You know, it's still going to be some further competition, and Robbie Ashford, and he will duke it out to uh, to determine who's going to be eventually, you know, lacing him up for the Tigers as QB one. But this, uh, this is, I guess, is about as solid of a move as you could expect. I, I don't get like super excited about this, but I do like that he's got tons of experience. He's played in a lot of games. I he's played in the Big Ten. Um, you know, thrown for a lot of yards and, and all that. So he's not a, a blank canvas by any means and somebody with some tools that you can work with, but he's also not somebody necessarily that you're like, all right, that's it. Auburn's winning the West this year. So it's a little bit in the middle for me, you know, like, Hey, you, you got a guy, you got the, some issues addressed, but there will probably be some other issues that still remain or, or come with that. And, you know, we'll see how they navigate those um and who the heck knows quite frankly what the next four months hold as far as any roster goes i know there's certain rules and and whatnot but uh it seems like maybe they've answered their quarterback question for the time being and and we'll see how others now uh, do that as well but yeah i'm i'm interested in uh you know not uh not blown away but it's an interesting move yeah i i mean like that nobody's doing a roster overhaul like Dion is but especially (laughs) first you know i I just I can't imagine what it'd be like to cover that. Like it, covering recruiting is hard enough. 
Well, who's the one guy? Uh, Bri- uh, Brian Howe? Yeah. That, yeah, Brian Howe, who we've had on a few times. I, I don't know what his Twitter follower count. I know I just talked about it. I don't care about that. I don't. But I would imagine his has probably seen some stock rising over the, like the last two or three months, you think? You think he's like probably doubled his following, given the amount of just information pouring out of that program on what seems like a daily basis? That's a that's yeah, it's a lot going on there for sure. Yeah, I don't um I don't know uh, <laughs> how you can like every transfer is essentially in the like water for them where Baylor has one spot open. So there's maybe a max of 5 guys that are in the water for them realistically right now, maybe more, but they're not going to to fill one spot, they're not going to talk to 25 people. Right. Yeah. They're going to talk to to probably five or, you know, or less at first, and then if they keep getting no's, then you have to keep going on. But if they've got one available and they want a transfer, you're not going to talk to 25 people. Colorado has 50 scholarships available right now, so they need to talk to at least 100 people, if not more. They're in the portal. And so the more, like, you're going to catch fish, and well, they're going to fill a roster. 100 guys out there to, to but go. But are, are, yeah. are they worth it? Like, they might get... 10 guys who are going to make them better. And then they might, but should be trading out people this first year. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of theories on how it's going to work. I'm, I'm just going to be born and rational and just let it, let it play out here these next few weeks and see what that roster eventually looks like. Cause it's way too incomplete to really have any sort of a, of a, a real opinion on what to expect. You know, there's just far too many questions at the moment. Um, but it's exciting if you're a Colorado fan. I mean, it's been kind of ho-hum around there for uh, the last little bit, and you have some juice flowing through that program. And it's, uh, it's a very unique brand um, that they're they're sipping on right now that, uh, you know, could potentially be the next wave and big, cool thing in college football or it could be a disastrous mess when all is said and done there's just as much of a chance one way or the other um depending on how you know they again rework the roster and, and perform this season and, and moving forward but uh yeah brian howell's been very busy as a lot of other colorado buffaloes reporters but uh, i would think that that makes it exciting for the fans because you know we see it like guys into the transfer portal and there might be those occasional guys that you're bummed about you're like oh man you see a little bit of an outpouring of like oh shoot, I wish that, you know, Michael would have stayed or whatever. But most of the time you're like, all right, see you, who's next? And so they're getting like 50 doses of who's next coming off of a season where the guys who are leaving, for the most part, are people that seem like they're ready to let them go. I know there's been a couple, though, that are like, no, those are actually guys that that wasn't a Dion thing, that was a them thing, and that, that might be a little bit of a loss. But, yeah, it's been uh, rapid fire and, and just – craziness out there i can't even imagine yep absolutely okay uh garrett so uh, yeah peyton thorne uh i would i would be curious to know like was he gonna win the michigan state starting job i mean he i think he that was starting to come into question i guess so I, no, yeah no, no, go ahead and make had, that jump yeah but, noah kim had kind of closed the the gap on him so and, i assume he's got more of a sure thing now yeah uh, but yeah with he, that in mind yeah I, I would think so but it was i mean according to reports the coaching staff was a little bit surprised that he decided to do it so and it that yeah, might so, also might be an nil thing yeah so. maybe i mean that's that uh, yeah that's uh it's any number of possibilities, I suppose, but I knew that he was in the race for that. So I guess, yeah, maybe you got an indication or maybe it didn't matter. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered if they were like, no, dude, you're 51 49 in the lead right now. He just felt like, nope, it'd be better to go to, to Auburn and probably be the starter there and make some NIL money and play for Hugh Freeze, who's a great quarterbacks coach, great offensive mind. So, 
yeah, that's a that's an interesting move. But I guess both Alabama and Auburn, you know, got guys, but it's not at all what you probably at the outset thought they were going to end up landing. Either one of them, you know, when you probably, I think most people probably had these grand ideas of like they're going to get some massive like huge name and um not quite but you know guys who can win some games for you and tyler buckner and, and peyton thorne so we'll see yep all right so garrett also sent you uh big 12 on, on this as well okay so these are from DraftKings, and uh i i i did lift these graphics from uh on three and then uh, heartland college sports on twitter because i didn't have time to make them and i don't know how to do that anyway uh so uh, but this well, shout out to on three. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, Harlan <laughs> college but, sports, but they took, but they took these numbers from DraftKings themselves. Sure, yeah. So per DraftKings Sportsbook, these are the win totals for, uh, the teams in the sec next season. Um, and a couple things hop out to me, A&M right there in eight and four land mm-hmm. as they always are, uh, Florida at five and a half. I'm, I'm going to kick them up a little bit. Auburn, who we just talked about at six and a half, because there's just so much at those two schools that are uncertain. Mississippi State, uh, even though they return a quarterback and a lot of players, new coach, not Mike Leach, six and a half. Um, Kentucky, I, I'm going to say more than that because they've got Devin Leary, who I actually think is an upgraded quarterback over Will Levis, who is really good and, and just got picked by the Titans in the second round of the draft. So I'm going to say more for Kentucky, but Craig, your thoughts on, on what jumps out to you there? All right, well, this is the very first time I'm seeing this, yeah. so I, I don't really have any formed thoughts Um but yeah, I mean that's that's a fun line to play with a And M that eight and four game right there. Like, Se- seven that's and a the half. perfect number for them. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yep, which side of the, the the line do you want to play on for the Aggies? Uh, but that's that's perfect for them. Um, yeah, very interesting with with Florida and Billy Napier now heading into year number two. I think if they were to miss a bowl game, that would be a be a pretty tough pill to swallow um, for for the Gators. So that's a very interesting that they've got them hovering right on that bowl line there. I mean they're. There's a lot of man, look at that top though. Eleven and a half, ten and a half, nine and a half, nine and a half, and then everybody else just kinda hovering around that bowl line, right? But um yeah, I mean I, I true, I don't have any grand thoughts on this. That seems just on the surface to be, you know, probably about what you would expect. Um but uh poor Vandy. That's <laughs> all there by their lungs. So. You know, I, I would think of all Because I think I think uh LSU's gonna be nine and a half for Tennessee is interesting, I think. Um because they are going to have some turnover, but maybe not to the extent that they can't replace it. Um, you know, with with more talented players, and there's a lot of hope about the uh, the, the the young guys that will be taking over. So um, yeah, I I don't even have any really grand thoughts on this. No, um, I'll tell you this. I think you start with three points at, on this if you're DraftKings and you're trying to bookmake this. You start with the top at Georgia, and you say we know that Georgia is. Probably not going to, especially given Georgia's schedule this year, which is the easiest one they've had in a very long time. Yeah. Um, so they're going to have 11 wins or, or more, you know, right. no matter what. That makes sense, yeah. So then we go to the middle, and, well, Texas A&M is the kings of 8-4, and four, and they probably won't be 5-7 and seven again. So this is pretty obvious. We don't have to do math on this. They're 8-4. and four. That's what they are. So 7.5, that makes sense. And then you go to the bottom, and you're like, Vanderbilt, well, what can we say for Vandy? Let's... Mm-hmm. Let's put them here. And then the hard work comes in the middle. But to go back to Florida for a second. Where, what, 75% of the conference is all, like, within a game of each other. Basically, yeah. that's what, three, eight of the 14 teams are on that seven and a half to six and a half range. There. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, at Florida, 
You're going to be on the road at Utah to start off the season. They're not going to be favored in that game. Man, Utah's playing Florida and Baylor right out the jump. That's yeah. it's going to be interesting. Then you welcome Tennessee. You're not going to be favored in that game. You have a couple games in there where you might be. They will not be favored at Kentucky. And this is this is rare for the Gators. South Carolina, I don't know what the but that's at South Carolina. Georgia and the cocktail party, they're not going to be favored in that game. They've got Arkansas at home. Don't know at that game, and that one's more of a toss-up like South Carolina. Uh, at LSU, not going to be favored. Missouri, not going to be favored. And then they wrap up the regular season with Florida State, where probably not going to be favored in that one either. So you can see how they came to that five-and-a-half game total there for the Gators. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, these all seem very reasonable. I mm-hmm. mean, um, you know, I just I haven't done a deep dive on the schedules, and I think that definitely, you know, especially when you read out Florida like that, it definitely allows you to see the path to where five and a half is certainly, you know, fair uh, to start off with. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of just who I would say. Do, Garrett, do you have anybody that you're like I'm this I'm calling BS on Bama. On Bama? Okay. All right. I'm, that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying ten and a half wins for the Tide. Not with as much roster turnover. You're, even Tyler Buckner, I do not trust Tyler Buckner to come in there. Um, yeah, that, that's one that really, I think that's just a benefit of pedigree, a pedigree and tradition. That's and nobody's thinking like, okay, Nick that's Saban can't have two. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's I'm calling BS on Bama. Fair well, enough. Yeah, te- look, um, I think I'm just brainwashed to just like uh, dude, deal I'm with it. You know, like, just be like, it. no, it's uh, yeah, that's Alabama. That's what they should. But you know, yeah, I, mean, I just gloss right over them at ten and a half. But Not you're absolutely right. That is, I'm glad that glad that we uh. We got you to interject there. Yeah, yeah. Their, their last three weeks are, I mean, and, and not really a, a good stretch. I mean, I think Kentucky, like I said, is going to be good with Devin Leary, who I am amazed Alabama didn't go get. I really am. The day, if he was in the portal and I'm Alabama, I would not have been like, oh, I've got Milrow and Stimson. I'm going to be great. I would have been like, no, we have Devin Leary, if you're going to just ultimately do this anyway. But, um, you know, what do I know? I'm not Nick Saban, so. That week two game with Texas will yeah. kind of set their path. I feel like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's going to be very interesting in Tuscaloosa. So they do have that going for them, but yeah, that week two could kind of put you on. All right, ten or more, or ten or less, uh, depending on how that one goes. That's going to be a great, great little contest to watch early on yeah. in the season. I, I like the stretch of uh, for them at A and M, uh, which has been always kind of a challenging game for them, obviously. Win or lose, uh, Arkansas at home, Tennessee at home, off, and then LSU at home. Which that's a nice little draw there. Tennessee and LSU both at home, but uh, then again, the you know they're Alabama. It, it happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's Bama. I mean, if they were to go undefeated, it wouldn't shock me necessarily. But yeah, I, I do think there are some cracks in the armor for the first time in a while, and I know that people have been hoping for that or like manifesting that for years and years at this point, like. I'm sure there's a Saban will retire soon article out there somewhere published in the last week or something, yeah. and, you know, the culture's bad or, you know, whatever is going on. But, I mean, it's it's like, it's kind of like the Pac-12 TV. Like, at least, eventually something's got to break one way or the other, right? And, you know, at, at some point the good times are going to stop rolling. I'm not ready to think that they're right now. But if you're not a full believer of, like, yeah, they're just going to go win, reel off 10-plus wins again, I don't think that that's crazy at all. I think that, uh, yeah, that's, that's reasonable. Um, but – you know, you can still look at that schedule and give them the benefit of the doubt and go, they're going to win 11 games again, you know, potentially. Uh, so, yeah, that, uh, that uh, that's another. I mean, there's there's hundreds of storylines every year, and Alabama with Tyler Buckner at the helm and 
you know, however many years it is that Saban has remaining, this team and the rise of Georgia as the, the backdrop to it all does make it a lot more interesting as well because there's like a team that really is a, not just a threat, but they've now won back-to-back national titles. And, and they don't have to play anybody. Yeah. It's just, like this year, no. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's they don't, crazy. I mean, like, like, they're not even going to, like – they're not even going to feel a mosquito bite until the SEC championship game. Yeah, potentially. So, yeah, that's, that's why, yeah, it's, and, and that, you know, good for them. All right, uh, Paxton says, do Big 12, Paul. Well, guess what? Ask and you shall receive. Uh, thanks to Pete Mondo at Heartland College Sports for making this graphic because we stole it from him. Over, under, win totals in the Big 12. You see Texas at 9.5, Oklahoma. Well, that, is that 8.5 there? That's nine. That's and a half. nine and nine a half, half man. Sorry. I don't know about that. Yeah. Pass the duchy to the left one time. Whoever <laughs> put that. Up. Yeah, yeah. So hold on, I gotta pull. I got my old man eyes here. I gotta pull up the the larger one uh, on my on my screen here. But yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, nine and a half for Oklahoma. I'm not buying that. Eight and a half for Kansas State. Fine. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. I'll buy it all the way down the line mm-hmm. where you, where you've got it. I think Houston at four and a half is maybe a little low. Um, well, let's start off with Texas. Nine yeah. and a half. I mean, I could see that. But, you know, that Alabama game will be a real test uh, early on. Beyond that, though, I do think they'll be favored in just about every single game they play. So, yeah. And, you know, I do feel like for the first time in a while, it's not just a bunch of uh, fluff that there is with Quinn Ewers being back as your starting quarterback and all the offensive weapons, including the transfers that you brought in. I do think Bijan's a loss. Like, I don't think that they just pick up where he left off and Cedric Baxter and he's Jonathan gener- Brooks are like just... Generational. Right, but I don't think that just losing him, like, that it, like, wrecks your season. You know, like, you can't replace him in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I think nine and a half is very fair. I'm not even... I, what would I go here? I think I'd go over, but I don't know if I trust him enough just yet. But as we get closer to the season, maybe I will. I'm not buying Oklahoma at nine and a half. Uh, I, I think they'll win less than that. I, I, I mean, I don't think they're not going to like make a bowl game or anything crazy like that. But I just don't have the faith at the moment to feel like they're going to approach ten games. But they'll, you know, they'll have more talent than everybody but Texas. Um, you know, they should be expected to win a lot of those games. But I just, I don't. My, my face's a little shaken after last yeah. year and uh, and all the changes. Uh, K-State at eight and a half. Mm, that's very interesting. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I, I mean, I like quarterback coming back. I like what they've yeah. done in the portal. Uh, I don't think it's – I mean, like that sets them up for nine and three. I think that's a – And, again, we're not looking at the schedules as we do this because no. that definitely would come into play too. But you we know. just don't have the time to go one by one through every schedule. Tech won eight last year, so – I think I'd go over with them this year. I think that they're going to be right there near the top, um, and they're going to be all business. Um, Um, Baylor, I'd go under 7.5. I'm more of a 7 wins for them type of a guy. So that one, to me, I'd actually go under. Uh, TCU at 7.5, ooh, that's interesting too. I don't know what at all to expect from them because, like – you think they just reload? Just went I know. To the NFL, like I just, so. I think I might go under there. That's and they not had, Georgia. And, they, and then they also had like, I mean, really though, if you if anybody has a a great season, you know, in some cases it's just Georgia's just so much better than everybody else. But they had so many doses of luck last year. When you think about TCU's season and how, I mean, the Baylor win. I mean, my gosh, that was one second away from being a loss. One second. The Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma game. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of little instances last year that could have gone the other way for them, um, and that's you know like Baylor two years ago when they had their magical season. A lot of people pointed out when they had the follow up of expecting a, a you know a downtrend was they lost a bunch of guys to the NFL and they won a bunch of close games. 
And sure enough, he turned around and they didn't win the close games most of the time, and they didn't have those talented NFL guys. So yeah, I think I might go one. Well, yeah, but but shoot, man, what they do is they got so many. I don't know. That's a tough one. I'd have to sit yeah. there and really stew on yeah. TCU. Yeah, and look, they have. I think I'd go over though. Yeah, I might go over, but the other thing that kind of works out for TCU that Baylor did not have. Baylor was in the normal times of the schedule. One of the things that worked out for Baylor when they won the Big 12 and won the Sugar Bowl was all of those games, like the the big ones, were at home. And then it flipped where all the big ones, except for TCU, were on the road. TCU right. Colorado in week one is going to be yeah. really interesting. And yeah. then Colorado plays Matt Rule in Nebraska as well. So that Dion tenure is going to be – I know we've mentioned it before. That's going to be – Fascinating. I don't know if he makes a bowl in year one. I honestly don't. Or he does, and it's yeah, like the story yeah. of the entire year. And if you were already sick of hearing about him, then guess what? Like it's yeah. only going to grow into a whole nother, uh, you know, monster of of uh, yeah. you know attention. I, I can't wrap my head around the math right now, but again, we don't know what his roster is going to be. Yeah, we nor, don't know. Nor, nor does he. No, uh, yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't have either. the old picture either. But yeah, I. I um, Can you pop that back up? Sorry, yeah. Garrett. It's the big two. I, want, I think we should finish off the, the yeah. second half of but that. Baylor at seven and a half. All right. I, I mean, like eight home games. I'll, I'll give you that. They should not not make a bowl game. That's yeah. the one way I draw the line. But, yeah, they they got eight home games. I, you know, one of them is Utah, granted. Um, but, yeah, there, there should be some expectations this year. I just I don't know how I feel exactly about them. So I, I think I would go under with seven wins right now um, yeah. for Baylor. But, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll go – I'm not going to way under. But, yeah, I, I think I think UCF at seven and a half is, is probably about right. It's reasonable. Reasonable. Although, are we going to have, like, a little bit of a curve for some teams entering the Big 12 for the first time? But, you know, with John Rice Plumley, um, you know, maybe they don't have as much of an adjustment as, as some others do. Yeah. Kansas, get back to a bowl game, maybe improve on it. Yeah. It feels like that's a low for them, right? Yeah. Like, almost feels like the juice that they have right now, that they should have, like, seven up there or something. Yeah. I know it's not far off, but, you know, the fact that they're even getting six-and-a-half type of cred is, uh, speaks to the job that Lance Leipold's done. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, at six-and-a-half. Who the heck knows? Who knows? Who I mean, knows? Yeah. yeah, we don't know uh, what they're going to look like. BYU, um, you know, I, I would actually give them a little bit more. I know they have, a you know, a tough schedule and all, but – I, you know, Keaton Slovis is, it's not glorious when he's on his third team, but he's also a little bit more experienced. So I'll, I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt on that, but their schedule is hard at Arkansas, at Kansas, at TCU, Tech, Texas, um, going all the way across the country to Morgantown. Even playing home games, you still got Oklahoma, still got Texas Tech, you got Cincinnati. So yeah, I could definitely see them hovering right around that bowl line yeah so it's, i think it's i'd tough. go over but i could i could see the argument the other that's why vegas has i mean clearly yeah. vegas knows you know right where the sweet spot is so that's why they have them right at six and and that seems fitting yeah and you know iowa state there i yeah i think they're about right you know um i, I could see them making a, a maybe a, a big improvement this year but then again well nothing's going to be a, expected of them it's, really it's got to be their offense has to score you know 28 points a game like a normal like a normal team can. Yeah. Um, I I feel like they're kind of in that quiet corner, sort of working in silence. You know, I could get that vibe from them, and Hunter Deckers makes a jump, and the defense stays great as usual, and they have some some good skill talent that develops, although they are, you know, they're losing Will McDonald. They're losing Xavier Hutchinson. They're losing some pieces. So you don't exactly replace that right away necessarily at a school like an Iowa State or 
Baylor or any other number of schools. Um, you don't have the Texas-Oklahoma just ability to hit the vending machine button and just another five-star, four-star guy pops up. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see them surprising people um, or just kind of uh, settling into this just sort of median spot where, you know, they've kind of always been. Um, but, you know, obviously disappointing because it really felt like a couple years ago Matt Campbell had something – not like they were going to the national championship or anything crazy, but it felt like, you know, they played for a Big 12 title, so, you know, and I don't know really, you know, I don't know these last couple, or at least at, coming off of last season, I don't really know what to expect with them. Yeah. Houston, uh, I mean, like, I kind of want to give them more of the that benefit. That's pretty of the low, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, in Cincinnati. But look, they lost Alton McCaskill. Not that he was going to win them, like, three extra games, but that was a. A, yeah, that, that was a loss. That and, was a huge loss, yeah. Um, I hate that because I really loved watching him play two years ago. I think he's got star potential, and it was a shame he got hurt. He couldn't play, uh, you know, and be an effective weapon for them last year. And then to have him all the way rehabbed and then to bounce after spring camp is just, oh, that's brutal. That's so brutal. Yeah. But I think they can win more than four and a half. Cincinnati, I'll I'll keep it at four and a half. Um, the Emory Jones is going to be their starting quarterback, and, and we just know. Well, we I know think what he is. Yeah, uh, just losing Luke Fickle—that's obviously a yeah. huge blow. Um, if if Luke Fickle was still the head coach, I'm sure that number would be a couple notches at the very minimum higher. But yeah, there's a lot of question marks right now for Cincy, so that's that's understandable if they're getting lowballed um, a little bit. Yeah, I, I they, we just—it's fun to look at. It's yeah. fun. I could sit there and look at that and really pour over it for much longer than we already have, which is pretty lengthy. But it's it's fun because it's starting to kind of feel like we have. Uh, more of the picture taking shape for next year is tech, check, checking off all these little boxes, whether it's a schedule release or whether it's classes oh. settling in or the transfer portal or it's just getting odds on the win expect uh, win yeah. expectations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, did we skip West Virginia, Gregor Krug? Yes, we did. Uh, I think West Virginia has the toughest schedule in the Big Twelve. The, not not just in total number of like tough teams that they have to play, but how it falls for them. What were they at? Um, they were at, I believe, four and a half, right? Oh, yeah. we Okay. Yeah, yeah they were four and shoot, a half. Super over there. Yeah, so West Virginia, and again, you've got a, a, well, a coach in turmoil there. I mean, they open up with a layup at Penn State. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that'll be tough on September the 2nd. Uh, Pitt in week three, Tech at home, at TCU, at UCF, at OU, at Bay. Uh at four and a half, is that what they said again? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, man, I'm. I don't know, man. I think they're. I, I love that they've retooled. They they do seem like they retooled pretty well this off season. Um, but did they just lose their best running back too? He just hit the portal. Oh like yeah, last he did. Week. Yep, he uh, right yep. after spring. Yep, he did. Um, gosh, uh, was it C.J. Donaldson? No, 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 no. no. It was. Um, that gummit. What's his name? Is the other number twenty four? Yeah, know. another <laughs> running back we saw all the time. Uh, Tony Mathis is Tony Mathis, uh, who okay. hit the portal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but like my my point being in that you know Penn State, Pitt, Tech, TCU with Duquesne in there. I know in the middle, but that's a really hard way to start the season. Mm-hmm. That's a really hard way to start the season before you get to the bye. Yeah. Um, look, I mean Mathis coming off of last year, he had. He only played in half their games. Seemed like he played in way more than that. Um, okay, that okay that no, he didn't. He played in way more than that. He played basically in every single game. That 
That's a weird website. Anyways, um, yeah, that's going to be a little bit of a loss for them. Obviously, there's the the talk about Neil Brown that's going to be kind of hanging around in the background. I don't know how much of an effect that has on the team, really. I just I, I don't know, though. I, I don't know how to feel about them. I, I don't feel like they're in store for some massive resurgence, necessarily. I also don't think that they're a completely hopeless program, either. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of like right in that middle territory for me. Um, but I love C.J. Donaldson. Um, I, I do love that they're going to finally seemingly have maybe a bit more excitement uh, at quarterback after, you know, it's been kind of been ho-hum the last couple of years, and they finally... Dry, like, no. Oh, they've been, <laughs> like, it's trying to dry see. toast. Yeah, but... Like, that's what they had, dry but, toast. But Mark Yule's exciting. Um, Green is... Garrett Green, we've seen good things from him in the past, although, you know, not nearly enough through the air. But, that, I mean, that gives you an exciting combination of guys that could, could do some damage for you. So... Yeah, I mean, I've seen mixed reactions from West Virginia fans. There seems like there is some wave of optimism, um, but there also is a little bit of hesitancy, and that's just kind of how I feel. I feel sort of split, but I would love for a West Virginia fan to tell me like what the overall sort of real feeling is of that fan base, whether it's pessimistic or optimistic, to kind of give me a guideline to roll with and, and, and kind of know better what the fans out there are thinking because I see a mixture of both on my timeline most of the time when they're they're brought up. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't really know enough to feel like I'd be comfortable saying, oh, no, that's a for sure bowl team. I think four and a half is probably, given the circumstances, about right. Uh, but I would go over on four and a half, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to say under. I really am. You are? I, okay. I do. I think that I think those first few games are going to eat them up. I, I do. And, you know, I hope they're better for the sake of all of our Morgantown faithful that are watching this we show. We love the West Virginia fans. Yeah, we love the West Virginia fans. Uh, I really do. Hope they're better, but uh, it's just, I mean, it's a tough schedule. <laughs> I mean, it's a tough schedule. It's a tough, like, they get it to where it kind of bounces out in the middle for a minute, but then you got to go like big long road trips that are tough that you've never, you know. Okay, here's, I could see them. Okay, they beat Duquesne, right? Yeah. Um, Pitt, possible. Um, I mean, is Morgantown as formidable as it used to be? You know, like I feel like it still I mean, can it will be. be. And it can will it, be that it, night against Pitt. Yeah. yeah, can it sway a couple games like the Baylor yeah. game last year? You know, do they have a couple of those moments in them? Because they're going to need a couple of those moments to get to like a six win. Yeah, set. And I, do they have that in them? I don't know that or feel comfortable enough in in predicting that. But yeah, I can see where there is some pessimism to be found given that schedule, and uh, they avoid Texas, so there's that. But uh, yeah, but there's a lot of other problems potentially on that schedule. Yeah, and look, so West Virginia fans, please give us the vibes coming out of Morgantown they, post spring. I mean, look, they could have, have done them a favor and sent Baylor to them, where Baylor seemingly can't win. Yeah, true. But that automatic but no. win. But no, I mean, they, you know, that, um, you know, got to go to Norman. You know, like that. That's tough. Um, you know, we'll see. You know, they, you know, go to Orlando. We'll see how how that works out. But that's that middle stretch where it kind of bounces out for them. But if you are Say you are one and four out of the first five, you know what? Like what's what's Neil Brown gonna be? What's his status gonna be at that bye week? Like that yeah. is I mean, that's that bye possible, week for, yeah. for Neil Brown is gonna be very telling because if they're one and four and just beat Duquesne, yeah, then you think you know what's gonna happen um, to Neil Brown because they just got the new athletic director who. When he was on with us, and, and he's told us, look, he doesn't want to fire coaches, and I believe him. Nobody really wants to, but also he's been brought in to improve things, and you don't saddle yourself to a guy you didn't hire. 
And so you're one and four in the first five weeks. That to me is where I just don't see it for them. But look, you could. I think a lot of this depends, but they get a lot of the new schools. Like if I'm looking for optimism here, they play UCF, they play Cincinnati, they play BYU. Cincy and BYU are at home. Uh, Houston on the road. I don't think that's like impossible. UCF on the road. I don't think it's impossible. I mean, they should have a leg up on those schools, you would think, mm-hmm. being in the Big 12 the last several years. There should be, you would think, some slight advantage, um, you know, personnel-wise or otherwise. So there's, you know. You think Dana's going to lose to West Virginia? No, Garrett, I don't. <laughs> but, you know, I'm trying to be positive I know, here. I know. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that one, you're right. That, that'll be circled and has been squared and rectangled and triangled on his calendar, I'm sure, a thousand times already. But, yeah, you're right. That That's another element to that game that certainly makes it different than just, you know, going to, to one of the new schools for, for um, you know, a little road trip. But, you know, if you can handle those and, um, you know, maybe knock off a couple. But, yeah, we're, we're like Duquesne. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going bowl game, but I'm going above four and a half. So right there at five, I think is where I'd have West Virginia, which is, I believe, exactly where they were last year. Yeah. Which I don't think that would be great for Neil Brown. No, it's not. It's not. We'll take a break right here. We'll come back. Last segment, kind of, you know, dive back in the chat room, see if there's anything we've missed um, here on the chat today. Go back through um, and uh, and get that before we get to the top five. This is three sixty five sports. The future's bright, the time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Hi, this is Paul Catalina. I recently got engaged to the love of my life, but the most important thing that I had to do before I popped the question was get that perfect ring. And I know nothing about rings. So I went to the wedding ring store, Boozer's Jewelers on Valley Mills Drive. I knew I needed a custom design, and that's exactly what they do. Nine out of ten of their engagement rings are designed in-house. The entire process took less than a month, and they were great every step of the way. Great options on financing, excellent selection, and talented designers. My fiance and I get nonstop compliments on the ring. I only deserve credit for doing the smartest thing I could, walking into boozers and letting them work their magic. Your one-of-a-kind fiancé deserves a one-of-a-kind ring, and that's what you get at Boozers. Boozers Jewelers, the wedding ring store on Valley Mills Drive. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared 
to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin. And you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Don Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Talmud Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Second to last segment of the show. J.G. Neilardo says, I think Dana loses against West Virginia. Mm. I don't know. Hey, man, it's a, look, Garrett was right in bringing that up. I mean, that, that's a game I'm sure he's had circled, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's just a, a, well, a foregone conclusion. Sometimes you can hold on so, so tight exactly. to the bunny you kill it. Uh, exactly right. Yeah, so I don't know. He, he, might, he might be, but yeah, Dana... You know, he, he even we don't know how Donovan Smith's going to work no. there. I mean, if he's the, the you know the guy who's brilliant at times with like great athleticism and all that, like we saw in Lubbock on occasion, that he could win some games for him. But if he's the guy that makes some dumb decisions and turns the ball over, then he can lose some games for him. And you know, he's not uh, the only piece of the puzzle by any means. But that is a change over they're making after having Clayton Tune these last few years. So you also lose Alton McCaskill; they're going to look a little bit different, and losing Tank Dell. Uh, among others, uh, so they, there's some turnover there uh, for sure, and you know I know West Virginia's been busy, you know, adding where they can. So that's that's going to be an interesting game. I, I love that there's games like that that I'm sure have always had sort of underlying storylines, and maybe there's just more of a focus now because there's shows like this that are talking about the Big Twelve more. But I, I like that we're going to be able to have some of those subplots that because I think that's what the SEC has a lot of the time is those stories besides just the game itself, well, you know, you got and Saban against everybody who's ever coached for them, you know, all of his former assistants <laughs> yeah. that are head coaches now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this, I mean, this was, I mean, he, when you were at Baylor practice, I'm sorry, you didn't get to take part in that interview, but when we had coach Holgerson on Craig, I mean, he said, of course, you know, they threw West Virginia on the schedule. I kind of knew they were going to do that, had to. but, but at least for them in year one, where it probably has the most intrigue as it goes on, it, you know, that'll wane because he'll, been at Houston way longer than he was in Morgantown, but uh, but it is in Houston, so he didn't have to go to Morgantown on a Thursday night. They did that small little favor for him, but I do think that 
when he does, whenever year that is, I mean, maybe next year, we don't know the schedule is going to be completely different. This is a one-off schedule, but when Dana Holgerson that first time goes back into West Virginia, given how he went out the door there, that is going to be a tough night for Houston. Whether they win or lose that game, the first part of that is going to be loud. Oh yeah, it'll be, it'll be you know, formidable for sure. And I'd expect nothing less from yeah. the fine folks out there. They have every right to feel that way just because of the way it, it ended and you know, to, at the time, spurn a current Big 12 school for seemingly, and I don't I don't feel this way because now Houston's right at, you know, eye level with them, but at the time, it was kind of looked at as like, dude, you're taking a step down from one of the power fives, and I know there's mixed feelings on power fives and all that, but everybody knows what I'm getting at here. So, you know, to, to not just walk away, but to walk away for a job that seemingly was looked at as slightly inferior, that's a slap in the face. It's not like you went and you was like, "Hey, I'm going to, uh, to uh, you know, Florida State." It's like <laughs> you're going to the, the non-power five school. Like, what the heck, you know? And and, and so at that time, there was not. I mean, Houston was planning to get in whenever they could, but the Big Twelve wasn't right. sitting there looking around saying, "You know, here's the merit badge you can have." Yeah, and so I, I get the Texas ties and all that and the benefits of it. Like we all understood that part of it, but still, yeah, if you're a West Virginia fan, absolutely, it's a slap in the face, and and just you know, in general, that wasn't the only thing, but you know, that all adds up, and that's the way that it ends. And and sure enough, you better have a pretty fiery crowd the next time he walks into that building and ready to to tear him a new one and hopefully hand him an L on the way out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Roger Dodgers by the pool and asking who wants a pina colada. I mean, I feel like that's an empty offer, but yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not gonna say no. So steam me out here right now. That actually sounds like it'd be pretty yeah. perfect at the moment. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Paxton asked me, Paul, what do you think? Florida State at nine and a half. Yeah. I mean, ten and two. Look, if they're ten and two, that's not going to shock me because they have both Clemson and LSU on the schedule in the first five weeks. I think. Yeah, they'll start off zero and one. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Garrett, look, you don't, you don't you don't even realize the beehive that you're about to walk into. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> that's, Florida that, State's back. Here's cocky yeah. Paul. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I no, I can't. Like, I got cocky. I'll tell you, after that Jameis Winston in 2014, that year I was super cocky because they pretty much brought everybody back or maybe even improved, like um, – you know, Devontae Freeman was gone, but they replaced him with Dalvin Cook. So I was like, fine, great. Everything's going to be wonderful. All these guys are back. Like, it's, it's been great. And the whole year, they didn't lose until they lost to Oregon. But the whole year was white-knuckling. That, like, you know, they they half-assed it the entire first half. And then the second half, they come out and, like, sober up seemingly and then beat somebody. Um, yeah, they were like – I don't know if you've ever seen the show Archer where – it's like he's a spy, but he's a big drunk, and then like for whatever reason, whatever ridiculous chances he takes work, and that's what happened that year until the Oregon game, and the Oregon game was setting up just that way until that ridiculous fumble, and then after that, the you know their their luck had run out. But yeah, I don't want. I'm not going to be if they beat Clemson in Death Valley and beat LSU, then cocky Paul, like you'll just Better see Maddie if they do. That. Yeah, yeah, you'll no just kidding. see like a divide, you know, where like a different part of me comes out. And locks the nice guy away. <laughs> well, I mean, that would be, that'd be two huge wins. That would be somewhat understandable. But, yeah, Mike Norvell's done a good job, and they're set up really well for this year. So there's there's absolutely, you know, dozens of reasons to to feel pretty good. Just so long as Dion doesn't poach, like, half their roster before they actually roll around <laughs> to game number one. But, yeah, well, thankfully the portal's closed. But yeah. uh, all those guys are 
probably going there. I mean, he's already got three or four, so. Um, you lean on your connections, man. Yeah. So look, I'm, don't blame I'm, him. I'm not. I'm not mad at it, especially if they replace one of the guys with the. Um, the, the guy who's there this weekend, I think, is, is a potential upgrade. So um, we'll see. Uh, Keon Coleman from Michigan State visiting there this weekend. That would, If he commits, that would give Jordan Travis three starting receivers over 6'4", plus Jaheim Bell at tight end, which is going to be matchup nightmares for defenses all over the place before we even get into the, the running backs that they have, like Trey Benson and so. So, yeah, this is starting to it, – it, it could work out well or it could, like, completely blow up. So I, I'm not I'm one who's learned over the years. Enjoy it along the way, but be realistic about it and and we'll see. But yeah, if you beat LSU in Orlando on the neutral site and then you beat Clemson in Death Valley, nobody else should really be in your way, other than yourself, in my opinion. But they could wind up playing Clemson twice. That's the other thing that's scary because now in the in the ACC, they've gone to divisionless. You know, that's like the Big Twelve. They're divisionless. So, okay, say they do beat Clemson in Death Valley. You better hope that that wounded them enough to where you don't have to see Clemson again. Because I'd much rather, as good as I think Drake May is going to be next year, I'd much rather see North Carolina for a first time than Clemson for a second. Potentially, yeah. I mean, it depends a lot on how Clemson looks. I mean, yeah. I think there's still questions about them too uh, that we don't quite know just yet. Um, so, you know, was the the beginning of their uh, demise is far too heavy of a word, but you know, people waiting for them to unravel a little bit got a little bit of that last year, and you know whether that continues or not. Now that they've cleared up the quarterback position, and Klubnik's going to be the the guy. I'm really excited to see him uh, and what he can do there uh, as QB one. So yeah, I, I don't know. Other than I know they'll win a lot of games, but will they win more than Florida State, or will they? You know, be able to to take that matchup. I don't know. That, that should that should be great. That's what we're all looking forward to here in a few months. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Paxton asked uh, if Florida State and Texas have played. They've never played. So, not not once. Not once. Not mm. once. That's interesting. Yeah, the, the 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 little baby cows don't want want any of that smoke. <laughs> Look, at Paul actually, Catalina on no, Twitter. No, not like I actually think that the only times because if you look at the way that Florida State was not good, like when Texas was at its actual peak of greatness in the in the sixties and seventies, Florida State was total garbage. That was pre Bobby Bowden, and then when Bobby Bowden got there, and then in the eighties when he built the dominance, Texas was not going to play them. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Now, Bobby was playing anybody, anytime, anywhere. So if Texas is called and said, you want to play, he probably would have. But because that was the scheduling philosophy before they got in the ACC and when they were major and independent. But Texas was not like under the David McWilliams and Fred Akers runs. They were just weren't doing that. And it, that was also the time in the Southwest Conference where the conference started to implode on itself because all they cared about what was going on in Texas. That was it. They didn't care about anything else. They didn't care about anyone else. And then you saw all these other programs start to shoot to the moon because, like, Nebraska and Miami back then were like, okay, we very much care about what each other are doing, and we're not in the same conference, but we're going to play each other, and we'll find out at the end of the year. So th- those are the things that were happening then. So that's kind of how it worked out. I think, honestly, it's probably in the offing in the future sometime, the way the scheduling's going, where big-time TV matchups are going to be 
the you know well, I mean, the if they're soup in the, the playoffs, day. I would think that yeah. they'd probably cross paths. I just didn't know they'd never played before. But, yeah, that seems like it'd be a pretty good draw on TV um, would be FSU in Texas. So maybe they will be conference mates here in the next few years for all we freaking <laughs> yeah. know at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's entirely possible. Yeah. We uh, we had some talk on the, on the chat room about the Super League. Connor Johnson brought it up. I think he had to go. But the Super League – uh, he 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 said, "Well, what if like English Premier League fans, everybody got together and said we don't want this? I don't I don't know. I like I don't. And then and look, the Super League is eventually going to happen in some form uh, as well. So yeah, I mean, in, in, but, in, 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 in Europe, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like that was much more of a thing that." Felt like it was close to happening when there was still all the uncertainty with the Big Ten, mm-hmm. and now that's sort of died down. Uh, it's not as much of a – it's just not on the radar as much, I think, right now because you're still trying to figure out some of these other pieces to the to the side. Um, and then once those are cleared up, then, then maybe things start to head in that direction. I mean, certainly the revenue gap indicates there's going to be that. But as far as like an official breaking off and what all that would entail, I think you're dealing with a lot of politics, buddy. You know, we talk about like just simply the Pac-12 sticking together because of academics or, you know, the school presidents or whatever. I mean, imagine trying to break off entirely. That's going to be messy um, in, in some form or fashion. So I don't think that that's like inevitable or um, in the immediate future. But years and years down the road, um, or just a few years down the road, I mean, I, I can't rule that out because I'm, I'm definitely not, you know, uh, in possession of what the future looks like exactly. And, and all the signs point to, you know, that being feasible. I just don't know how realistic it really is because even the people we've talked to are like, oh, yeah, no, the gap's huge and it's never going to go back and it, these teams are going to be so far ahead of these others. They'll still scoff at – the idea that they'll just not play any of these other teams anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like the Bob Thompsons or whoever, like, oh, no, they'll still play all the, like, Oklahoma State's not going to vanish because the SEC and the Big Ten aren't playing, you know, these other. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's, it's in the near future them just breaking away and it's these 32 teams like the NFL and everybody else just can fend for themselves. But something sort of like that is, is definitely this is shaping up to be that way. For well, yeah, sure. like the, the way, like the premier league, like I know that people want a relegation model too. <laughs> like yeah, the premier, I don't, I don't like that either. So I mean, it sounds like that would be fun, but like that's just a lot of drama and a lot of just uncertainty to be playing around with for a lot of these universities. I, I just don't know that that's, that's all that realistic well, either. It's different when it's, you know, your company, the, like the English soccer teams are owned by private business people. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a little different than when you're talking about universities of all varying backgrounds and, and things. So it's, it's a little different, but um, I've gotten, I've gotten a little bit into English premier league lately. Oh boy. Okay. I'm not, not I'm not going to be one of those people who's like, you yeah, post it on Twitter like go Tottenham. I, I like, mean, you can be. That's fine. There's a lot I, of people that do that. I, like I do. I am. I am enjoying it. Uh, like following it along. It's just very. It's it. It's cool to me. I I'm dying to just go. I would love to go to England for like a month. And yeah. Just no. I think immerse the, myself in the it. concept of like Champions League and all the various leagues, La Liga and Premier League, and you know so on and so forth. I think it's Bundesliga. I think it's all very cool. Like uh, I had a friend who was very deep into it and explained a lot of it to me and. You know, all that's that's neat. Uh, I just don't know if that's necessarily what we're, you know, barreling towards with college football. Um, because, if anything, we're going to two leagues, and there's all these multiple yeah. leagues that make up, you know, that. But, uh, no, it's it's cool. The pageantry is as close, I think, 
to college football is what you could find in any other sport. That's what kind of struck is just the the pride level and the like uh, the personal. Like I know NFL fans are hardcore and NBA fans are hardcore and stuff, but there's just a different element to like college football, and and I, I feel that same way about. Uh, think, soccer overseas. I think that's how it's the same kind of fan base. Like yeah. your the team for your town is your like that's your team from birth, you know. And so it's just right there with you. A lot like your university. I, I will say this: um, Italy uh, in Italy, uh, Napoli just won for the first time in forever in Naples, uh, the, Naples. And I just thought, like, what an amazing thing to be to be like a twenty five year old soccer player who just won the title. In, oh no, I've thought about that a million Naples. times. Yeah. Like that that, that might be better life, than your life is pretty freaking awesome right now. I think now. I would trade that for <laughs> QB one for the Buccaneers or whatever. I think I'd rather be the twenty two year old hot shot, you know, uh A C Milan star or <laughs> yeah. Liverpool or Man U or whoever else. Yeah, I I definitely would, would go down that pathway. Yeah, absolutely. All right. When we come back, the top five. This is three sixty five sports. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets to T-bone to bone-in ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or waco custom marketplace.com Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-thru window, an excellent customer service find out more on instagram or just go by and see them lakeshore drive at north 19th street behind the bank 
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Welcome back, 365 Sports. Top five things to follow following these CFB meetings. Sorry, I got to put the, the cheaters on. You know, there's a lot of great things going on in my life in my 40s, but this is not one of them. It's just glasses. Yeah, I know. It's just annoying. To, like, I used to be able to look at something, words on a page, and read it. And now there's like a step I have to take. So I think I look good now. I just. You know, it's just annoying to have to worry about where they are all the time. Uh, number five, does ESPN stay out of the Pac-12? Right now they're out. Dennis Dodd reported that an ESPN executive in a meeting said the three teams, the conferences we're going forward with are the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. And that's true today. But do they stay out of it long term? I'll be interested to see because the only thing I see them getting back in is They've got to fill something, and the Pac-12 is the best option. But I feel like that may have already happened if that was the case. Yeah, I have no idea on this one. I mean, obviously there's conflicting reports yesterday, but you kind of read between the lines, and they're not so conflicting. Um, but just taking it, you know, on the surface, you could see we're like, oh, that's the exact opposite of what was said. But there's a little bit, you know, more into the language of that's they're kind of – there's. So the way it was worded could be taken differently, right? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they do or not. Um, I guess if I had to just venture a guess, I'd think that somehow they come up with like uh, you know having a late night game just because it makes some sense. But uh, to answer to answer this question, um, yeah, no idea. And that would obviously be a a pretty important storyline to this because if you have ESPN, then that answers a couple of questions about. You know, your distribution and having the linear and, you know, things like that without them, well, that just, you know, amplifies some of the questions that are already out there. Yeah. Number four, what noise comes out of the Pac-12 after this week? Do, you know, do we get another couple weeks in and people start squawking a little bit more or do they get quieter? You know, what what happens? I'm, I'm curious to see, like, it seems like every time there's, like, one of these, you know, benchmark, like, this is the meetings for this or this is the thing for this, we start to hear... Keep your eye on Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, that, nothing happens whatsoever. Yeah, we start to hear that stuff. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, is there, yeah, is there a keep your eye on Tuesday or, you know, on, on June 10th, like, that's when something's going to happen. 
I don't know that anybody's confident enough to throw out any hard dates uh, right now, clearly, um, because when, you know, there's been attempts to, it, it typically just kind of comes and goes. But, um, yeah, no um, no clue uh, what the, the meetings create, but I know that there is, you know, lots of noise, and uh, that's not going to cease until, you know, there's somebody there to shut off that noise. So I, I think that only grows, but does it grow to a level where people feel the need to speak out again? Uh, no idea. I do think it's become very clear, though, that, you know, what, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, whenever it's been at this point, and tell me if it's been shorter than that, but we were getting these quotes that were pretty adamant about all this Big 12 propaganda and all this stuff, and not a damn thing has changed since that, you know, well, it's right around the corner and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, that's the part of it where, like, when people, you know, who want to, uh, you know, cite the fact that, oh, well, there's still another year on the deal and all that. Like, yeah, but the expectations came from the people talking themselves. Like, yeah. if you didn't say anything about it and the deal's just coming up next year, then, okay, the deal's just coming up next year. I wouldn't think twice about it, but it's the fact that there have been multiple times now where it's like, it's close. Not only is it close, it's going to be better than the Big 12, or it's going to, it's a good shot that, you know, this is going to happen or whatever. So maybe it's just best if everybody just kind of shuts up for a little while on any side and, and lets this thing play out. But I know that's probably the most unlikely thing to happen. Number three. Do meetings that happen, so if you hear, like, this school met with this conference or whatever, do they mean anything right now, or are they just meetings? Because sometimes they're just meetings. And so I put more weight to them as we get closer to this television deal happening or not happening, but also just because schools are meeting does not mean anything's going to happen, so I would not get too excited or too depressed one way or the other, depending on how you feel about it. Yeah, I think there's uh, just the exploratory part of, of certain conversations and you just want to hear some answers and figure some things out and find out if it's like a, you know, going out on a date and figuring out if it's the right person for you or not. I think there's some element of that to, to that, you know, you maybe find out like, you know what, we're not so compatible. That was cool though. Cool talking to you. We're going to stay where we are with who we're with um, versus, you know what, you're making a lot of sense. I like your vision. I, I think uh, your outlook for the future is dead on with the, the way that I'm, thinking about the future and then that takes you a different direction so um meetings don't necessarily mean that something's happening um but they could and then again they couldn't so yeah that's i think it just all depends on a case-by-case basis absolutely number two and this is very hypothetical but did the pig 10 actually save the pac-12 in saying that they're not really interested in expanding right now and now they now they all qualified like Tony Petiti. Yeah, I was gonna say Tony Petiti exactly. But, but like the Illinois president's like we're not focused on expansion right, yeah. right now. It's all this. It's but, about major focus. Major focus. But um, I actually think that the Big Ten. There's two things to this. Maybe they're actually genuinely not interested in it right now, and they've got what they want, and that's it. Or they just don't want to be the one to completely sink the league. Right. They're going to wait on somebody else to do it and be like, well, look, if everybody's at the buffet, we'll, we'll eat too. Yeah, I would say uh, no because they're the ones that started this whole ball rolling <laughs> in the first place. So, <laughs> no, they didn't. They just created the entire situation. Uh, sort of like if the uh, – it's like asking did the, the SEC actually save the Big 12 by taking Oklahoma and Texas but not taking anybody else? No. <laughs> they created the entire problem to begin with. Or they – exacerbated the problem and, and finished the problem off to where, you know, left everybody in limbo there for a few weeks. But no, I, I mean, I think you're asking this because are they saving them by not going and getting anybody else uh, potentially, but they're again, the ones that started the, the cracks in the foundation, you know, if you believe those are there or not, um, 
you know, they're the ones that got that started. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's true. But like they, 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 they do hold like the, they I mean, if they it. wanted to, if they really wanted to, just if they wanted, they felt like killing mode, uh, they wanted to go, you know, slice a conference in half, they could go invite a couple schools and just be done with the entire thing. But, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know, have any insight whatsoever. You read a lot of people who feel like they're, um, find where they are, you know, welcoming in new leadership and it's not a major focal point of theirs. And there's still a lot, you know, of chatter and people that believe the same thing we were talking about like a year ago with Oregon and Washington. And that's still, you know, very much alive and all of that. And the truth is I have no idea. I, I, I mean, I think we all agree that if the Big Ten wanted to go grab anybody, they could very well do that and would do that. But whether they want to or not, that's the question that nobody really has the right and one sole answer to, um, and that we're all just kind of wondering about. Yeah. yeah. And number one, is this phase one of a shakeup or the end game? Like just, you know, are we, are we looking at a minor shakeup or are we looking at the end game? Like, what are we looking at? Or is it nothing? But I do wonder if this is, cause we talked about it earlier. It seems like we're, we've whittled down a lot of the like extraneous possibilities and there's, there's very few roads that the PAC 12 can take at this point. Yeah. Um, phase one of it. I mean, yeah, it's clear there's been a shakeup for sure. I think we're maybe even a couple phases into that at this point, but you know, I don't, I don't know or what the end game is. this phase one of the end game? Maybe I didn't yeah. phrase it right. Is this phase one of the end game? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. Um, I, I'm I'm not going to be the one to predict the future of college sports because, man, it's just so up in the air about what that could look like. It could look very similar to what we already have right now, which is a couple of tweaks. It could look, you know, for the, the more extreme thoughts of uh, the Super League, for example, it could look drastically different than it does right now to where there's, like, truly, like, different levels more than there already are different levels with, you know, uh, FCS, FBS. I mean, we're cr- talking about, like, a whole new part of that, uh, but – I don't know. There's just part of me that while all that makes sense, the whole, you know, soccer style, you know, doing of things, uh, I think a lot of it depends on the NIL stuff. I think a lot of it depends on some of those topics that we're not at all sure about what direction those are going. One of the things is that I think that's going to – this is probably the five years from now conversation, but after what would be seven, eight, nine, ten years of name, image, and likeness, what schools are really in the market to be able to do that? What want to commit to it and what want to bail out? Because that's what's also going to lead to the, mm-hmm. the Super League kind of a thing is that there may be schools that be like, look, we just can't. We can't. We don't have it. If you guys want to run this way, that's fine. But the economics of this don't make sense for us anymore. Right. So something has to be different. And so that's going to be a big deal too. Like the NIL part of it is going to be huge because – or, you know, there's going to be – you know, fair wages across the board. I don't know. There's so many different ways it could go. But, yeah, that's going to be, you know, what what universities have to decide. is like, do you really want to run with this? Do you Can you run? Like, if you decide that you're going to be big time in college athletics, especially football and men's basketball, in the major revenue sports, if you're going to be big time, do you want to decide that you have to do it like Georgia does it? Because the only way that you can compete with them is to spend the money that they get or to – you know, to find the money that they have. And that's just not how money works. You can't just decide you have something. You have it or you don't, you know, and, or you want to allocate it or you don't. So that's that's going to be interesting. Stan, Stanford's one to me that's going to be really interesting in the future in that they were so dominant in so many athletics for so long, but now when you're talking about paying athletes and they're not going to 
change their standards to get more athletes in. They're still going to have the same ones. How many elite guys do they lose that are deciding not to go to Stanford because they can make $150,000 a year going to a different school? Like that, That's going to be interesting, especially on the Pac-12 side of it as we move forward. Yeah, I think it's less about the guys who choose that. I think it's about what the schools can choose. Because yeah. I think a lot of the guys who go to Stanford are thinking about the long-term picture to begin with. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about the quick 150 they can make going to you know wherever. They're thinking about the millions they can make with that Stanford degree. Mm-hmm. So I think those cats are bred a little bit differently than – then maybe you know others making decisions to go places for whatever variety of reasons. But to your point, does the school want to invest? And they've got more money than you know Any, yeah, God. But um, you know, yeah, do they want to put a large amount of that large amount into paying players? Like, yeah, I don't know. Then that you know that could lead to to questions about just the whatever lifeboat you find right now. Is that still? inflatable 10 years from now and what does that look like that's again the, the mystery that we're all kind of trying to, well, to unravel well the other problem is that because they have standards they're even if they're gonna pay their field is still smaller so right. you you're gonna have to because there's guys who could go to stanford that have decided already to go to notre dame and they don't care about stanford they're gonna want to play football in Notre dame so that you're just not gonna get that guy so there's a guy who's not gonna go there because he's never wanted to go there and it's not like if you're Notre Dame, you can just go back into this big pool, or Georgia, you can go back into this big pool. Stanford's pool is, and Notre Dame is probably the worst example, but Georgia, you've got this different pool that you're, you're, you're waiting in as far as talent goes as well. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Ross Dellinger, Dennis Dodd, uh, Smokey um, for doing that interview. Uh, also, Grayson Grunhey for all of you on the chat room who watched uh, and listened. We're back again on Monday, of course, uh, same bat time, same bat channel, and Sports Night tonight, 1030 on the CW. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Cinco de Mayo. MRI is a small family business right here.